Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 233. This is, I guess, your Christmas edition because we're recording this the day after Christmas. This is a DC Comics podcast. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is Matt. Hey, hope uh, you're still around and the Krumpus didn't take you. Krumpus? Yeah, well, Krumpus technically comes the fifth, but, you know, who's counting? Krumpus? Is Krumpus different from Krampus? Yeah, Krampus, Krampus is all the however you pronounce it. Okay, right. <laughs> the, you know the big hairy horned monster that comes and takes back. That's kids right. That's away. right. Uh, that once I, I have a child, I can't wait to tell that they have to be good. Because sure, Santa bringing you coal is a motivator, but being stolen by a hairy horned monster, that that'll keep you in line, right? No need for an elf on a shelf. We got Krampus on a rumpus. Well, that's the start to the show. It's the DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the new DC books that are out every week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Secret Origin, Issue 1. We have the next two chapters of Endless Winter in Justice League Dark 29 and Black Adam Endless Winter Special, Issue 1. We have Wonder Woman 769, Action Comics 1028, which is the end of Bendis' reign on Superman, and finally Batman Superman 15. Uh, that is what's coming up review-wise on this week's show, uh, with a little bit of chat beforehand. Um, now, there should be a review, a separate standalone review of some kind of Wonder Woman 84 coming. It's a bit weird this time, because Connor is absent and, and whatever, uh, but Didn't there'll be something. Didn't stop Shazam. Or Aquaman. Wait. Wait, was he there for Aquaman? I think he was there for... I think he was there for Aquaman, was he not? I don't remember. It's been forever. Twenty twenties lasted two years. Yeah, I feel. I think he missed one of those for sure, but it was just because he didn't have time to go to the theater and see it. It wasn't yeah. because he. It yeah. was definitely Shazam. Yeah, it was definitely Shazam because we get re-rasped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, yeah, it took ages to see it. That's right. Because he didn't see yeah. it until it came came home video. That's right. Right. Um. I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, there'll be something. There'll be something. But Matt's not watched it yet. I actually did watch it already. Yeah. Uh, so I won't say much because Matt's not seen yeah. it. I definitely won't spoil anything. I, I, either, judging based off of Twitter, it's the greatest movie that's ever been made, or it's the worst movie that's an insult to cinema. So I, like, don't know. I almost got whiplash between two different tweets. Like, uh, I mean, if you want me to give you my ballpark feelings... I, I, I kind of guessed based off of what you said this morning... You well, know. yeah, you've seen my tweets, but yeah. <laughs> if you'd like me to sort of just clearly give you a general yeah. idea on the show for people to yeah, go, go to ahead. enjoy as a tease before the proper review, I'll say that I have a lot of things to say about Wonder Woman 84, and every time I feel like we're on the right direction uh, for the DC movies, uh, we get a complete and utter mess like this, and I have no idea... Uh, why or how it happened or who to blame exactly. I don't know if this is Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, who, whoever's to blame, but someone's to blame. <laughs> and it's a mess. Wow. There's, wow. A cu- there's a couple of nice things, there's a couple of good ideas or moments, but for the keep- most part, it's a mess. Yeah, keep in mind, Pete also didn't enjoy Birds of Prey. So I, I mean, that's true. This yeah, is mo- so- I think this is more objectively a mess, though, than Birds of Prey was. Yeah, okay. I'm just giving people a, a thing. Sure. Just discount, just... He might have said it's a mess, but, you know. I, I'll say it's two and a half hours long. I'll say the pacing That's is really long. weird because the first act feels like it takes forever. And I will say that there's little <laughs> bits of other movies. In a good sense, there's a little bit of Christopher Reeve Superman in there uh, in a couple of moments. <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, though, there's a little bit of, say, Spider-Man 3 in there. 
Uh, <laughs> with a dash of a couple other things. There's a, there's a lot of mid-2000s stuff in here, especially uh, with the villains, I, th- I felt. Uh, oh, there's a bit of Batman Forever, too, actually. Something that made me remind it. Well, I don't mind Batman Forever. We gave it a rewatch earlier this year, and it's not good, but it's fun. Don't get me so, wrong. If what yeah. I was saying there was a reference to someone showing up and going, it's boiling acid, <laughs> I would have given it a 10 there in the moment just for the balls yeah. of doing that, but that's not unfortunately what I'm talking about. Um, that means James <laughs> is going to love it. He loves <laughs> Batman Forever. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. There's, also, a, there's a couple of great scenes, but... I know how you feel about Batman Returns, but how... How are you feeling about the sudden switch to everyone seeming to love it all of a sudden? Like, it's boggling. I don't it. It's boggling my mind a little bit. But I will say this. I will say this. Compared to Wonder Woman 84 and compared to some other movies of recent, like the last couple of years yeah. that are bad, some of these superhero movies that come out and are just complete messes like Venom yeah. or, or like yeah. Batman v Superman or like some of these other things. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, I, I hate Batman Returns. But it is a very distinct vision and coherent kind of film. It's, it's, it's definitely a piece of a finished piece of something that someone made um, that is not to my taste. But yes. I think objectively, it's more of a rounded experience than yeah. some of these other things that have uh, come out recently. Yeah, the one of the things I read with 84, though, is just that it feels like an 80s comic and as someone that's not that much of a fan of 80s comics i don't know if that's supposed to be a a you know a recommendation or a, a stay away type <laughs> thing so i don't i don't know we'll see how it is yeah i don't know I, mean, I, I don't know about 80s comics but i will say there seems to have been an attempt to bring some things into it to make it feel like it was actually made in 1984 although not from like a, the look and feel of the film say what i didn't mm-hmm. expect was some problematic elements that feels like they're right out of 1984 to be in there and uh, not just one either there's a couple of things that are a bit yeah oh weird man. Uh, so like go in uh, I, I think it starts off like the opening 15 20 minutes are strong you'll be thinking oh peter's what's they talking about this this, yeah. was, this is great so far and then you're going to be waiting for ages for the plot to get going you're going to be like oh maybe so I'll, I'll say no more that i'll just leave it there yeah no full, full talk I, coming I soon that the the runtime definitely has put me off just a little bit. I'm I'm over these lengthy movies. Like I understand Endgame being near three hours, right? That's a culmination of things. But like, I don't feel like every superhero movie needs to be two thirty plus. I, uh, I would be okay if if the what the movie was actually justified it being that length. Right. Uh, if it if it feels paced out right, that's why you don't feel the time and whatnot. But like, we just watched the the first Wonder Woman because I hadn't seen mm-hmm. it since the theaters. And I felt every inch of that, or every every minute, every second of that that runtime. Too long. And the movies, yeah, the movies fine. It just it does feel long. There's pacing issues in that first one, and then to hear something similar with the second, I feel like, come on, guys, like like Aquaman felt the same way. Where like we got all the Aquaman stories, and I felt every every second of that one too. Oh, Aquaman was. Overstuffed, yeah. Yeah. I, so... Aquaman, I, I felt very mediocre on Aquaman when I saw it in mm-hmm. theaters. You can go back to the review at the time yep. to see how I felt. I have I have only soured on it more since then, with hindsight. Yeah, yeah the more I think about it, I, I feel that's still my problem with a lot of the DC movies outside of Birds of Prey, which has been favorably. I, I do need to rewatch it. 
and Shazam, which I was a whole lot of fan. And those are my top one and two at this current moment. Um, but I just feel like both of those fit what they were trying to do. Like, I feel like the directors yeah. knew exactly their vision that they wanted. And I just feel like the, all the other ones are just kind of scattershot, almost like they're trying to play catch up for unknown reasons. Like, just take your time with the character, right? Like, um, and Jenkins has already had a, a, a turn with Diana. So, like, you would think that there would be a more. But that's that's the thing I'm hearing the most about it, that the runtime and it, there's a little bit too much of everything. Um, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I would say, set your expectations for yeah, well, how how much you think that Barbara's getting because yeah, I've seen that. It makes me very sad, but mm-hmm. not that sad because it's never gonna be issue eight by by Rucka. And it may never be that, but it could have been a lot so. damn closer to the. the note. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll just I'll just say. It. I think there's correlations to be made between Cheetah and this and Venom and Spider-Man 3, and I, I don't like no, that I can say that. No. Uh, I'm not saying it's one to one, but there's yeah, definitely but things, there's elements that I can compare between them, and I don't like it. I don't like that. Don't tell me that Erskatega does get said on screen, just so we finally know how to say it. If they, if they did, I, I didn't hear oh, it. Man. I missed it. <laughs> but I don't I think mean, so. I mean, I understand them not doing that, not saying Erskatega, Tango, however. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way, Matt. That's never mentioned because that's not the origin of why anything's happening. That's not. <laughs> well, that just tampered. At least I get Pedro Pascal, who I, I am a big fan of. Uh, that's and true. At least I get him. That's and, true. Yeah, yeah. Pascal's fine, I guess. You know, she's. I've, outside of Wonder Woman, I've never really seen her in anything where she stands out. Like, if I have, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, and that, that's not good. But. Uh, yes. But anyway, anyway yeah. so uh, full review's coming. There'll be an extensive discussion going through what the movie is and what it, like, oh, what it you know, everything. So. Cheetah moment. It looks like I'm not. I always yeah. have issue eight. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. That's all I'm saying. I'm very disappointed. More on that soon. Uh, so that is that. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of news. Obviously, that movie coming out on Christmas Day is kind of the big thing. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, when I was looking for news, though, there was actually something on Newsarama that I thought I'd briefly bring up. Uh, and that is apparently they did like a, a reader's vote for the 10 best DC stories and I thought it'd be fun just to sort of quickly see what see what won see what this top 10 is because well, so number 10 is Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow uh, very famous Superman story that's, that's a surprise very good yeah. uh, number 9 is The Return of Barry Allen okay yeah uh, number that's eight, the, the John's one right or is there another uh, is it on a wait? I thought it was is wait. that wait? The Return of Barry Allen? Yeah, I think so. I'm yeah. thinking of Rebirth. <laughs> I was thinking of the <laughs> No, no, no. That's, that's, that's yeah, part okay. of the run, yeah. Fair enough, fair uh, enough. Uh, number eight is The Judas Contract. Latin Titans, of course. Uh, number seven, Sinestro Core War. Green Lantern. Uh, I'm skipping over what characters they are just because I feel like people should know. Yeah. But then a lot of people do actually listen to us when they're just starting to get into DC, so I really should yeah. make it clear. I mean, but I mean, if you hear Sinestro Core, you can Yeah, true, true. That one's a bit more obvious. Moderate, but yeah. Uh, number six is The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Number five is The New Frontier. All right, that's a good one. I, I almost said Final Frontier. I got Star Trek on yeah. the frame. Uh, number four is All-Star Superman. Okay. Number number three is the Great Darkness Saga from Legion of Superheroes. Uh, that's an interesting pick. 
Uh, number is. two is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, mm-hmm. And number one is Kingdom Come. I thought this was an interesting list because I feel like most lists that are created tend to put uh, Dark Knight Returns or yeah. some of that at the top. Um, and there's actually less Batman in this top ten than I, I was expecting when I clicked on it. Yeah. Usually you'll see, yeah. you know, Killing Joke or Year One, or maybe you'll see, you know, something else. But... Well, maybe they wanted to challenge themselves and not put those ones in because they get talked about so much. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a vote list, though. It's just, it's, it's... Oh, that's true. So, that's what I think. It's interesting that the, the, the votes worked out this yeah. way. Maybe, maybe it's just weird that we're advertising the vote. You know, not... if, if the yeah. masses had gotten a hold of it, maybe it'd be different. But Yeah, because that makes sense too with the Great Darkness Saga, because I feel like that's the one that doesn't get talked about. Like a lot, a lot. Um, hmm. Yeah. Totally strange. Uh, Kingdom Come uh, on there. That that makes me feel happy. Cause it's a Mark Wade DC story. Uh, so, um, I haven't read it in forever. But I should maybe revisit that one. Yeah. Uh, I've not read Great Dark Saga because I've not read much Legion yeah. as previously documented. Yeah. Well, I I actually haven't read it either. I'm just familiar with it from you know. Legion history and whatnot. Um, <laughs> it's another one I should probably read, but I do know what happens, and it's yeah, you know, it is the big Legion story. Believe it or yeah. not, though, my my sort of DC kind of stamp of shame, I suppose, is that I've still not read yeah. New Frontier. Yeah, you should read that one. I know, I should. You've seen the movie at least, right? I saw the animated movie, yeah, like yeah, a number of years ago. Yeah, I mean the the book it does go into much deeper detail, and it is a nice cut of of what the Soul Rage was. So, yeah, I would. I definitely recommend it. It's so good. Yeah. So I found that, and I thought I'd be interested to have a quick look at the results. It, it's not surprising that the week that Christmas is on wasn't exactly yeah. news heavy. Uh, True. Uh, especially with solicits last week being quite, yeah. uh, you know, meaty. Me. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, did you get any DC related things for Christmas, Matt? I did not. Not not this year because it's been one of those just years where. <laughs> back at the when I thought my comic shop was closing I bought a lot of trades just to kind of mm-hmm. have them or, or help the shop out a little bit because we didn't know what was going on with the pandemic and, and now they're back open and everything's kind of normal so I kind of got a lot of my DC stuff there um, I'm trying to think back but nothing nothing too much um, no, no nothing too much <clears throat> nah, DC not yeah, me, me neither, really. Uh, no, no comic book related stuff uh, for me for Christmas either. Um, got some fancy LED strips for the back of my TV to uh, get, give some Omni or Ambulate, I think they call it. Nice. Um, helps with the eye strain and also improves yeah. the black levels because of the trick of the light or something. I don't know. Uh, I have to really look into that because I've had since, I don't know if it's our lighting or whatever, but when it gets really dark, mm-hmm. I have some uh, having a hard time seeing certain things. And I'm wondering if it's because of the eye strain, because, you know, now that I'm not at work every single day, you know, I'm on mm. my phone a lot or I'm on my iPad a lot. And I'm wondering if that was an eye strain. Yeah. So if that's supposed to help. Um, yeah, it's basically because the idea is because a lot of people obviously turn the light off when they're watching stuff on TV because, mm-hmm. you know, movies, more cinematic, right. whatever. Uh, but technically, TVs aren't designed to be watched in the dark. So they... The Ambulate is kind of like a sort of mid thing where it kind of yeah. still gives you the cinematic feeling, but it, it adds this extra light around the screen to help with yeah. the eye strain. So um, I've liked it so far. I actually, uh, I think, honestly, my favorite thing about it is that 
I'm quite sensitive to uh, uh, backlight bleed or torch mm-hmm. effect, which is when sometimes you like, brighter parts of the screen, whenever it goes black, you can yeah. see a little bit of the brighter parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of hides that a bit, uh, which is nice. So uh, I've kind of enjoyed that. Um, yeah, just... no, that, that's, that's real cool. We we flirted with getting a soundbar, and then the, the deal wasn't that much of a deal that we had to rush to get it. Um, but I'm definitely thinking about revamping my my mm. entertainment setup just because we have the the um, TCL TV, which is really really nice. It's very intuitive. Uh, we got that I think at the beginning of the year last year, um, and just the way that it works with the Roku and like I have a universal remote on my phone now, which is nice. So if I can't find the remote to to shut it off or whatever or to adjust settings, it's super nice. But the one problem is the sound is very, depending on what's plugged in, it's very weird. So like the Apple TV, the sound isn't always balanced. So if I go to watch something on Disney Plus, say mm. The Mandalorian, the sound's really low and I have to turn it up way loud. So then if you switch it over to, let's say, the PlayStation to watch a Blu-ray, now the sound's too loud. So I'm, I'm thinking I need a sound bar to kind of balance that out. And yeah. uh, I mean, even without those problems, the sound quality yeah. is much better anyway. You'll, you'll, yeah. Feel, feel a big difference it'll be less tinny because yeah. you'll have uh, some proper speakers yeah. but so but no I, I definitely like my tcl tv for that uh it's just the sound drives me up the wall it makes me feel like you know my hearing's going but it's not <laughs> it's just the you know it's just the one app for whatever reason is super quiet and i can't figure it out i've adjusted the settings and everything else so uh but i also like new gadgets so if i can get a if i can you know milk this into getting a soundbar i'm going to try yeah. right i mean yeah some soundbar is pretty cheap i i mean admittedly yeah. the ones that cost a few hundred will be better than the ones you get for less than a hundred well, but and that's what we were, that's what we were looking at like right before christmas the target was having a sale on them and it was like a 15 percent sale so the 15 percent mm. doesn't make i mean that's, that's going to cover like tax and a little bit more so it's not the end of the world that we didn't get one before christmas but once uh once we settle all the accounts from from christmas shopping uh i'll be looking to get one for sure yeah i mean even a cheap one will still be much better than the the tv yeah. sound so i mean it's just a case of how how yeah. well, fancy you want to treat yourself cool. and what's cool too is they're all bluetooth uh the ones i was looking at anyways are bluetooth enabled mm. so if you want to buy a couple small bluetooth speakers for kind of cheap set them up almost like surround sound which i remember when uh we started looking at houses even two three years ago wired surround sound was still like a selling point in some of them Mm. and now i just look at that and you're like everything's bluetooth almost now you know like a lot of stuff is yeah Um, honestly if i could give you one recommendation to consider is get a sound bar that comes with a subwoofer because the extra bass that it adds is a lot adds a lot to the oomph of everything yeah yeah yeah. that's definitely most of them come standard at least the ones that target was selling Mm. which is cool I, i do like that but because you know, I was raised with my dad's surround sound system. That was real nice. But, you know, you had to position the speakers certain ways and whatnot. So um, it's been weird going back to just it's one direction, right? Like what's all coming from the TV uh, over the course of the years. So I'm glad that we're figuring it out. But is the, the subwoofer wired or is it usually Bluetooth as well? It can be either. Um, yeah. it, it'll definitely need to plug into the wall because it needs power. But... Well, yeah. Um... So it just depends on the model. So some will come with a cable that connects to the subwoofer. Some will just be Bluetooth. I think they're mostly Bluetooth now, to be honest, though. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. But that's the case I can move it around the house. Get, you know, 
give it give it a different effect see where it fits best <laughs> I mean, hell, if you yeah. can actually sneak it next to where you sit so you feel the oomph more. Feel it? Yeah. yeah. So what I miss about movie theaters, like, you know, just that, to feel the sound versus just, you know, hearing it. I mean, yeah. most people don't have room like this because typically you have your couch against the wall, but mm-hmm. if you do happen to have, like, room right behind the couch where you sit mm-hmm. and put the subwoofer there, it means you can ha- it means you can feel a lot of oomph without disturbing the neighbors because you can just have right. enough to right. just give you the oomph and nothing more. Yeah, well, we'll all figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, this, this has been your audio uh, tech talk yeah. for the uh, portion of the podcast before we get into the books. <laughs> Hopefully everyone's enjoyed it. Um, I've got a really old 5.1 system that I've had for a long time, uh, and I don't really have much of a reason to upgrade it, except for the fact... Because they last, right? Like They do last. The, the only issue I have is that my AV receiver doesn't throughput 4K because it came out before 4K was a thing. So... If I'm watching something that's 4K, whether it's from the Fire Stick or the the PS5 or whatever, I have to put it straight to the TV to get the 4K, and then I've got the optical cable going from the TV to the AV receiver, so the sound has to go through that way, which is fine to a point, but the higher quality audio formats that are really high bitrate won't go through the TV, mm-hmm. so in some cases I'm picking between 4K or lossless audio, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's a first world conundrum very, I admit, very much but i do know uh my friend who does audiovisual stuff was explaining to me his soundbar setup and he his wife gets so mad at him because there's almost like a a doc brown-esque rhythm that he has to put in to make sure the soundbar is on the right channel for depending <laughs> what they're watching and she, i guess she gets really upset with him and she's like i just want to watch tv what's the button to hit just watch tv <laughs> uh, so just thinking about you having to to make the thing as i just think that's a film nerd thing because he's very much yeah, a film nerd. It, it's not super you know. complex i have been tempted because because my sound system is about 12 years old now so i was tempted to get a just like a you know maybe a not a super cheap like soundbar but like a soundbar with a subwoofer that was like i don't know about 300 or so uh yeah. and have that just sort of replace the 5.1 system i've got and I'm like, well, I miss the surround sound speakers. I don't know. But it would be kind of nice to just get rid of those and rid of the stands and rid of the cables yeah. and all that. So Definitely. I that's. I mean, the the wireless to wire debate I, I saw raging this week on uh, Twitter because of headphones and whatnot. And someone was like, why can't I just get a good pair of wired headphones anymore? You know? Yeah, like, I'm on their side for that one. Yeah, and uh, see, see, wireless for speakers. If you're plugging them in, is great. Uh, which right. is why wired so, wireless subwoofer sounds great to me. Anything mm-hmm. I have to charge, give me a goddamn wire. I don't want to charge things. Yeah. And that that was the whole debate too. And it's just like we're we're almost going too far in another direction. And you know, I, I already so. have a phone, a tablet that I need to charge. Like, no, I mean the tablet lasts like maybe two or three days before I have to charge it. But like, yeah. Like, I have too many things that I have to remember to charge, right? You know, PlayStation controllers, whatever. So, the, I remember, it was even the smartwatch came out, like the first, like, Apple Watch or whatever, and so I was thinking like, oh, I get an yep. Apple Watch, I'm like, why would you get anything else you have to charge? This sounds like an, especially since it all it is is like a, so, it's like a mini phone in your wrist, just so you don't have to pull yeah, your phone out of your pocket. Well, so, so my dad, I have, a, I have a difficult relationship with my dad, and he moved to Thailand, you know, two two years ago. And he hits me up around the holidays. What do you want for Christmas? And, you know, the Golden Knights just had a new jersey put out. So that's what I told him. Yet he was very hesitant about getting a jersey. And he's like, do you want anything else? So on a lark, I said, you know, an Apple Watch would be nice just as a joke. 
Apparently, he bought me an Apple Watch that's on its way. So, <laughs> How much is an Apple feature? Watch? I assume it's like hundreds. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he also sent uh, uh, um, the EarPods, which I didn't ask for, but apparently he uh-huh. feels need to go with the Apple Watch. So as you're saying this, I'm going like, oh, yeah, Apple Watch, kind of useless, but kind of cool too. Um, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah. Since I've been running and, and trying to change how I, I do fitness and try not to hurt myself mm. with weights. Uh, I've started running and it is, it'll be kind of nice if I can go running and listen to what I want to without having to bring my phone, which is kind of bulky. Kind of, I don't have a proper pocket for it. You know, you put it in your hoodie pocket and it kind of bounces around. You put it in your short pocket and you have to really tighten them up. So you don't, you know, give the neighbors a show as you're on your run. <laughs> uh, so I, I kind of like that there, but yeah, but, seeing the the i got the apple watch charger before the apple watch came that's how i kind of knew um, mm. that he sent it along just having another thing to charge i mean i feel you i i, I, like, I mean don't be wrong your dad's got you so it doesn't really matter but uh yeah I, and i'll turn it for people if you have the reason why you're thinking of getting a smart watch is just so you can listen to mm-hmm. music without having to like find a way to yeah. strap your phone to you you can just buy a little strap that holds your phone for running i see i've seen joggers with them is yeah. that I mean, you can, but <laughs> is it a cool watch? And, no. I, and I'm pretty sure it's an inexpensive, like, $5, $10 purchase to get this little strap that'll just take it, your phone. But it, it, <laughs> Who knows? But That's it. You know. Must be nice having a dad will just throw, like, $400, $500 at a is, stupid watch at you for is, Christmas. <laughs> this is what happens when you have a very dysfunctional uh, upbringing, and around the holidays, a parent oh, feels guilty. There's a lot of guilt. Uh, ah, I see, I see. And I just, I wish instead of just feeling guilty, he just wouldn't do a whole things from time to time. <laughs> and we'd be good. Like, kid, like, you know, I really just wanted a new, the new reverse retro jersey. Um, but apparently he didn't want to mess up the sizing, even though I gave him all the information he needed. So I got an Apple Watch, which my dad, I think I get my love of gadgets from him anyways, because he's always, whatever the new thing came out, he would have to have. I mean, that's why we have the surround sound system and the DVD player back. Mm-hmm. Before they were standard, you know, in home entertainment stuff. Um, Actually, I'm going on a slight rant here. I know we're, yeah. we're not getting to comic shit, but this is tech-based. This is we're on the subject, right? I was watching Jackie Brown on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, right? It's all Tarantino movie. But I'm not here to talk so about the movie. 97. 97, right? yes. Yeah, so yeah. I was watching the Blu-ray that I've had for a number oh, of years. No. This is the one that did the thing, huh? Yeah, 90 minutes. So it's, it's, it's like a two hours and... So, two, I guess it's actually almost two and a half hours, which is a bit normal for Tarantino. Um, I got 90 minutes out of the movie, and it started, like, skipping. The audio dropped out, and clearly the disc was corrupted or, or scratched or rotted at this point in the disc. And this would be like, okay, shrug, whatever, lol, I'll go and rent it or whatever to finish it. No mm-hmm. big deal. But this is like... I mean, Physical media is not supposed to do this. This has happened to me a few times in the last couple of years, and I think it's because DVDs, despite the fact that it felt like I had them for a long time before Blu-ray, the actual window of time wasn't that long, because then Blu-ray came out and I switched over to Blu-ray. But now that a lot of my Blu-rays are like between 8 to 12 years old, I think some of them are starting to rot and like not be usable anymore, and it's really a, a like... That's just... Like, I get that eventually this won't work, but I thought it'd be good for, like, a few decades. Which, I don't understand that, though, because physical media, like, I remember when Blu-rays came out, and, like, 
the whole idea of the reader being that much better than a DVD reader meant that, oh, if there's a small scratch on there, it's going to glide right over it and it's not going to cause problems. Oh, it's actually, right? kind, of the my... it's actually kind of the opposite. Uh, the discs are yeah. actually way more sensitive, but that's why if you feel a Blu-ray, there's like a hard coating over it because they had to go out of their way right. to protect it. Right, and that's what my layman's understanding of it was. Like, not that you can be rougher, but if something were to happen, you're you're good because like if yeah. the DVD got scratched, like that was it. Yeah, like it's I, just like your your CD and your and your disc man, you know. I don't um, I, I don't think it's a scratch. I think it's just disc rot. I think it's just age and which I didn't think was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing until I came across your Twitter thread. I I've definitely um, heard other people talk about it, but I, it's yeah. surprising to me that I've had it happen to a few because my Terminator Blu-ray last year had it happen when I was watching that. Um. There's a bunch of other discs that haven't been working for me recently. Now, admittedly, with those ones, it may just be that my players are a little bit old and need replaced because right. the lasers maybe aren't as strong as they used to be. Or I don't know what the, the actual right. te technical issue is. Um, but it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating that between the players being old and the discs getting old, apparently things are just breaking down. Um, and I love physical media for movies because the, the yeah. bit rates are much better than streaming. So it's really upsetting that there's like almost just this this reason where I'm like, well, this doesn't seem as worth it anymore if they're just going to go after a while. Well, yeah, it it seems like a, and I know I'm not accusing them of this, but it's almost like a planned obsolescence. Like, oh, you're just gonna have to buy a new Jackie Brown, you know? I mean, now, now they're more affordable than they were, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I. But this is why when i try to buy so i don't buy a lot of physical stuff anymore um because i just don't buy a lot of movies anymore because with streaming it's just like it's almost easier just to try to find it on a streaming site somewhere but when i do i try to get the digital copy too so i have a i have a small library now of you know mostly star wars and marvel and you know a couple here and there the, the only thing i'd maybe add mm -hmm. is that I may never have watched this disc before, so it's entirely possible this Jackie Brown disc... That it was just bad. It was just bad from the get-go. Yeah. Which also sucks that I've got random discs that are just always been bad. The yeah. Terminator disc from last year, though, was definitely fine originally, because I remember watching it when I got it a couple of times. Since and, you got it. Yeah. Right. Uh, whereas that went bad over time. Um, yeah. And they all just sit in their cases. It's not like they're... It's not like... I don't leave discs lying out. I hate people that do that. Right. What are you doing? Yeah, well, no, because you're not a savage. Like, even... <laughs> he, that, that was a thing that, like, when I got together with my wife, she would just kind of set a, a, a disc on top of the... While we watched something else. I was like, you can just put it away. Even put it in the case that doesn't match to. We'll fix it later. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't leave it out, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm guilty of that. I'll, I'll have, like, yeah. discs and cases swapped around a little bit as I'm just yeah, for convenience, like, but... You, you, you put it away. I was always the same with my CDs too. Like you don't yeah. just leave the CD out, put it back in its sleeve. So keep it protected. Don't get me know? wrong. This could just be a little bit of a string of bad luck that I've had, and it doesn't really mean anything. But as someone who is toying with the idea of getting a 4K Blu-ray player sometime in the next year, mm -hmm. uh, it does make me think maybe I should just buy digital 4K movies instead. Even the, the, and yeah. the reason why I don't like that though is because all the services don't have all the movies. There's some stuff that's only on 4K disc and you can't get the 4K digital version on iTunes or whatever. Um, but I will say though, iTunes makes it very cheap to buy 4K movies. Uh, yes, they do. Because they give you free up 4K upgrades for the HD versions, which is very handy. So. Yeah, yeah. And I hate supporting Apple because I hate Apple, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but their I movie store is quite I, good. I, I like Apple. I, I say that talking on my old uh, iMac, looking at my iPad, checking my iPhone. Um, so, but no, iTunes does make it easy. It's it's the one I use, and <clears throat> when I do upload the the uh, digital copies, 
they make it easy that you can do it through mm. iTunes now too. So I just I appreciate the simplicity. At least you're on an iMac and not an eMac. Yeah. Remember eMacs, the big colorful chunky yeah, monitors. We, we still have a couple of them at school that we had to be ER, which is basically beyond repair. They're so <laughs> old uh, that when when I was going to work every day, I had to help the tech guy organize because the school's getting rid of them. So they're heavy too. Like, oh yeah. It, you could murder somebody with one. I am 100 <laughs> sure. So, uh, but yeah, no, I have a, I have an old old iMac that uh, that's been repaired, uh, and that's that's how I got it for cheap from a friend. But but yeah, uh, and I have my the computer that my wife uses for work that was originally meant to be my podcasting laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's also an that's a uh, Airbook. <laughs> so yeah, it's not that I'm in the cult of Apple because I understand they have their problems and I understand people not liking them. But at the same time, I I like the simplicity. So, oh, I say, yeah, I, I, my hatred is just I hate I hate their uh, operating systems. I hate the design of their yeah. their software. I, I despise yeah. it. <laughs> that, that, again, that, that's cool. I'm not gonna argue with you. It's a personal oh, yeah. preference thing. I'm not one of those guys. Like I have a friend that swore he never owned an iPhone, and then I get a text from him, and it's through iMessage. And I was like, Yo, <laughs> 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 you know, so you know everything within reason. You know, I I I can get you know, complex about comic book continuity when it comes to tech and stuff. Just make it simple for me. Point and click. Mm. Well, with all that said, I think we can finally get onto the comic book. Yeah, there we go. Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed your Christmas tech talk. Uh, but, yes. Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Secret Origin, Issue 1, Scott Snyder and Jeff Johns writing. Um, there was like four artists, so I didn't write them down. I'll get to them in a second when we're actually looking at the credits page. But, uh, so, this is a Superboy Prime-focused one-shot tie-in uh, to Death Metal. Very interesting. Uh, let me let me pick your brain on your thoughts of Prime, uh, on Superboy Prime. Where, you, where are you at with him as a character before I, I give my overly emotional thoughts on him? I, you know, Superboy Prime has a, has a bit of a love-hate reputation, because some people really, really hate Superboy Prime. I, I have never been one of those people. I've always enjoyed his inclusion in Infinite Crisis and, uh, you know, his origins, of course. It's very, it's very different, his origin, of course. Uh, like, yeah. I, I think John's kind of made Superboy Prime what we think of as Superboy Prime. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I enjoy... I mean, not every appearance he's had since then has been that memorable or important. No, I, but... I'm a little upset about his Shazam appearance. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel like through Metal, Snyder and Johns and Tinian and and Williamson, who's ever doing all these stories with Prime, I feel like it's a different Prime, but for the better. I really feel like they have fixed this character now. Whatever. Um, I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, I don't think Johns has been involved in anything with Metal until this issue. Until this issue. And that's why I wanted to give the other guys credit, too, because he he showed up in those other issues that I wasn't here for. And I don't know. I don't remember exactly who wrote all of those, but I'm pretty sure those yeah. three guys that have been the kind of the core in the metal. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, me and Connor really praised uh, whatever one shot it was, where Wonder Woman kind of convinces Prime to to help uh, mm-hmm. by using you know kind of like Superman and kind of making him realize like you know what he really wanted. Um. So what 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 is this issue then? So it actually starts with kind of a, a flashback to prime before he became superboy prime it's him in the real world 
and he's they, the Clark Kent of his Earth, and you know has to live with being named after Superman. Yeah, and he's you know adopted as well, and all the similarities are there. And he's he's got a, a girlfriend named Lori, um, which I I do love. They gave her an L name. Of course, uh, <laughs> what else you know? would it be? Yeah, um, of course. And it, yeah, it kind of makes you sympathize with him. Makes you see what his life is like. Uh, the art here, uh, at times, I feel like they were really trying. I mean, it's not Gary Frank, but there's a couple of times on, on his face where I feel like they're really trying to do that young Christopher mm-hmm. Reeve that Frank did on yep. Secret Origin. In fact, this this I mean, this issue is called Secret Origin, so I guess yeah, right. I guess that uh, lines up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she takes him to the beach, a costume party, and she gives him a Superman outfit. And this is kind of the the moment where he jumps up and ends up in the multiverse of the DCU and meeting Superman, and uh, his Earth is erased, and then it kind of jumps ahead and. We, we get him it, waiting yeah. with the super family, waiting for the armies to arrive, and we get his interactions with these other characters. We get to hear what they think about him. That he's, you know, uh, right. Superboy uh, Connor Kent, that is, especially, is very opinionated. Because <laughs> like, he killed him. <laughs> Spoilers for the crisis. Like, I get it. And I, and I love that because I, I was starting to get the feeling as I read Metal that they're going to redeem Superboy Prime. Mm-hmm. And, like, as someone that that still fights against in, in Star Wars the whole Ben Demption thing, and I don't feel it was necessarily earned, I'm not. It's not something that I'm necessarily against. Like I, I do believe that like villainous characters can be redeemed. Like I love Sinestro, for you know, for that reason. It took me a second, dear. When you said Ben Demption, yeah. I was like, wait, Ben Kenobi? Yeah, yeah. Why would you? Why would you make Kenobi no, being no, no, redeemed? No. And I'm like, oh wait, no, yeah, he means no, no, no. He yeah, the Kenobi never needed redemption. He's you know, he's old Ben Kenobi. He's fine. Um, but yeah, so, but at the same time, like I do love Superboy Prime as that villain who's like this kind of as a cipher for kind of the uglier side of fandom, right? He's like all this in Infinite Crisis, his whole motivation is these aren't the heroes that I thought they were. Mm-hmm. And like, because of that, I'm going to help Alexander Luther, you know, change things. And, you know, Johns took him to the complete opposite side where he was a full on villain. But there's always that nobleness to him, right? Like, it came from a good place. And I like that that's where this kind of came from. Like, it starts with his origin of of that. Yeah, it um, kind of adds in the idea that he just wanted to also remake his world so that all the people yeah. he lost would be back and he would be back in his life. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that this issue ends with him essentially getting to go back and... I mean, okay, not normal, because the, the final page kind of adds a little super twist into it, but... Yeah. Like to go back and be like Laurie's boyfriend again, and be part of be that like sort of more regular version of himself. Actually, it does kind of have this this almost aura of like okay, he spends his time with his heads in comic books. If you think of it at a meta level, the idea that we we spend our time in the comic book in that world and you know and completely you know surrounded by it, but then we have to come back out into reality and be in the real world again, and maybe take some of the lessons with us. You know some of those morals right. and uh, you know ideas that we've read about, but we have to come back to the real world. And the fact that the you know the final scenes of this issue are him back in the real world, uh, we'll get to how that happens in a minute. But yeah, uh, the idea that he puts the comic book down and says, "No, I'm going to go hang out with you, Laurie. I'm going to go do other things because it's important to do that too." Uh, yeah, life balance, and, and that's where again I get the cipher of him as that that fanboy that only lives in that world, right? Like, but you got to mm-hmm. be able to come out of it and adjust your life expectations so so the fact that john's had had made him this villainous character who some of the comic fans hate because he is such a whiny like 
you know, the, I almost say that they, they did their mission a little too well on him, that, that here he has been redeemed as, yeah, he still started as a Superman. And I, and I also don't want to lose the fact on it that he was kind of the anti-Superman in the way that the Batman who laughs is the anti-Batman, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're kind of these corrupted versions of heroes. But with Superman, there's that innate goodness to him that eventually comes back out. Because at a certain point when Connor's like, I don't want to associate with him, and some of the other super family are kind of keeping their distance, ultimately he understands why. And he doesn't, like, it's not a problem for him. He still wants to do what he feels is right, and that's bringing back his planet, even if that's a little bit selfish, right? Like, he's not doing it just to help save everyone. There's something in it for him as well. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I like that dynamic at play here. And something that probably wasn't intended when he was created, obviously, and even in 2006, I don't know if this was something that was a, a, a big enough thing that it could have mm -hmm. been as much of a thought, but even the idea that Superboy Prime, given how it ends here, mm -hmm. the idea that it's kind of a metaphor or an analogy for being an, like an online avatar, the idea that a fanboy goes to war on the internet wearing his, his big dumb super suit that's over the mm -hmm. top, but then when he comes back to reality, he's just a normal kid who's got a life right. and stuff. So maybe things went too far. Maybe he got into an argument and said some stupid shit. <laughs> and that, so right. the idea of Superboy Prime is like, no, that's the shitty argument on the internet that you can let go. That's the fight on Twitter. And yeah. then even yeah, even Superboy Prime sounds like a like a social media handle, right? Like it does, yeah. You know, so no, I just I really did like the the meta context of this one and that. I, you know, I've said before, I'm kind of fatigued on metal, but I felt this one was different enough that it was, it wasn't just the metal stuff. There was a commentary here at play with what, you know, even when you get into the, the Batman who laughs stuff, you know, or the darkest night, whatever he is now, that meta storytelling that goes forward. Like, what does this all mean with like his fight with Perpetua to redo creation? And, well, and here that, we got what it meant for, for Superboy Prime. This is a very focused, standalone thing set within the context of Metal, but it still has mm -hmm. ramifications because uh, Superboy Prime actually kind of gives the good guys like a fighting chance by destroying all of the worlds that the, the Darkest Knight has created. Right. Um, because once again, he punches reality, but he does it for the, the right. force of good this time. So it's actually kind of a nice upbeat thing. Um, yep. But, you know, he has this moment with Crypto. Crypto's the only one from the Super Family who goes up to really speak good. to him. That's how I say speak, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, he, he does, which which I did love. There's parallels in action for that, too, which I, mm -hmm. I did love. Because, you know, Superboy and Crypto just go together, whether it's John or Superboy Prime or Connor. Like, you, you kind of want Crypto there for that. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's real, real nice. that I, I like that Crypto, the, the dog, the you know, dogs who seem seemingly find the good in people right like uh that that, that narrative was there no that was good so yeah he, he fights he, well he goes off to, to punch reality uh mm. and as he's fighting the darkest night so you know ending with this big superboy prem-esque moment um and sort of basically saying that none of this matters none of, you know, none of these heroes matter anyway i'm going to alter reality and that's when he sees crypto again uh, and it's mm -hmm. kind of this, this, this beat where, you know, he sees the possibility of a, of a good future, uh, where he could be a hero, he could be all these things, mm -hmm. but it's not really worth it without Laurie. It's not really worth it without those actual human parts of him. Um, 
Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's a very good moment. In fact, uh, as far as the metal world is concerned, and, and, you know, continuity, they see Superboy Prime lying there dead with Crypto howling over mm-hmm. his dead body. It's a great two-page spread. It's, uh, which is a send-up to whatever happened in The Man of Tomorrow. Because mm-hmm. that's how, ultimately, Superman... I think, you know, I think... I, I haven't read that story in forever. There's a, there's a very similar page with Crypto and Superman. Yeah. Um, which is real nice. Yeah. Uh, but then it does that, that meta transition where it's uh, him looking at the comic book of this happening. Uh, and then we get the actual ending. Which is, he goes outside with Laurie, and he is still inherently good because there's a kid about to be hit with a car, and he runs mm-hmm. to try and help, even though he has seemingly no powers. Uh, but the final page reveals that he has picked up the car. Very, you know, old-school action mm-hmm. comics, one uh, style of visual. It, it's, everything is kind of action comics, even the kid looking kind of towards the camera, mm. with a horrified look on their face, like that guy. Um, but yeah. And, and he has his crypto uh, in yeah. this world now, too. Which he didn't have before, you know. Um, yeah, that was the one thing he kind of changed, as uh, yep. he he had crypto with him now. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of different artists on this. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Ordway, Jerry Ordway, Francis yeah. Manipal, Ryan Benjamin, Richard Friend, uh, Paul Pelletier. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of artists uh, on this book. Yeah, it's a longer, will... longer count. Yeah, actually. I will say though that I feel like it handles the transitions pretty well. Um, so like you have Ordway kind of handling the earth prime stuff mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end. And then Francis handles some of the more actiony yet character stuff. I think Superboy prime mana section is the part that stuck out the most to me. Cause it's so mm-hmm. distinct, distinctly different that I kind of felt the yeah. change there. Uh, yeah, that said that this, the stuff in earth prime at the start and the end being a different artist makes complete sense. And actually it's probably yeah. better for it that it's a different artist compared to the rest of the book. Um, you know, so I mean that's 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 good stuff, um, but yeah, the, yeah, a lot of the big two page spreads and stuff are kind of going back and forth between Manipal and some of the others. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I think outside of like two, maybe three, the 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 the, the tie ins, Mel's had a pretty good track record with the tie in books because mm-hmm. you know we had that you know last stories of DC Universe like a week or two ago, that was real good. Uh, that was good. Uh, all three of those ones where it took the month off was pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. the anthology ones for the most part were alright it was just that last one or two that weren't that great of those so uh, I, I've been I think this has been a really well handled event from that side of things uh, if you've wanted to keep up with all this stuff this one's kind of weird and I think that it is skippable in the sense that, that I think the main story is still going to make complete sense if you've skipped it I think you, you read this you're 7 of metal and you'll, you won't feel like you've missed anything important mm-hmm. But I do think knowing that Superboy Prime kind of destroyed the planets is at least one little pivotal plot detail, which isn't necessarily yeah. worth reading the whole book for. I would say it's worth reading the book for if you give even a sh- s- slight shit about Superboy Prime. If you care about John's writing Superboy Prime and giving him an ending, because I'm sure someone will bring him back eventually, but this on its own feels like well, an ending. Yeah, again, outside of Williamson, kind of, I felt like was teasing him for Flash, mm. maybe... No one's really used Superboy Prime outside of John's. So if this is putting him to bed finally, cool. You know, take him off the board and yeah, I'm that's cool kind of that. it. I'm okay with that. Um, I mean, yeah, and this tie-in compared to something like the Lobo one, which really put me off. Mm. Um, Lobo was definitely just, the lower end of the tie-ins. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely feel like if they were going to add, let's say when the, you know, the big collector edition comes out, 
I definitely feel like last stories would show up in that. And this would show up in that for sure. Uh, just cause I do feel like while you could skip them, they do inform the greater metal story a little bit. I feel like there's uh, enough of the tie-ins that there's probably going to be two companion books as yeah. well as the main one until of course the, the mm -hmm. omnibus that has everything all right. mixed in together. Uh, right. which honestly for the most part has been a very pleasant reading experience single issue to issue uh, yeah. having it because everything's felt very well placed in between the issues it, always feel, it all feels like they fit mm -hmm. where they belong as we've read mm -hmm. them which is good ed editing good the editorial has been yeah. very good with that I think mm -hmm. uh, definitely uh, but I, I thought this was, it was just great, nice to read a John's comic uh, as yeah. well uh, co-written mm -hmm. admittedly but still if it felt John's in in places I felt some of that influence kind of creeping through. Um, and it did, did make me wish that, you know, Johns was going to continue to do more events at DC because I think his events are the best events DC tends to have. I do, yeah. His, his stuff always, I mean, I felt like he became the event writer, but I feel like it was earned because all of his events I've enjoyed. And it's not just because I'm a Johns fan. Yeah. Just storytelling-wise, there's those emotional moments. Like, even in Infinite Crisis, you know, just the stuff with, with the, uh, the, Silver Age or Golden Age Superman and Lois and Superboy Prime. Like, there's that. And then most of his Green Lantern run is it, it's all about emotion, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah. I mean, Three Jokers was kind of a weird case, but I think Doomsday Clock <laughs> yeah. was easily the thing that we have been the, it's been the most epic yeah. thing that we've been excited for issue to issue yeah. on the show. Yeah. I mean, outside, this almost feels like the most sequely. To the metaverse concept in Doomsday Clock, mm -hmm. Doomsday Clock, with with this because even even when he goes back to Earth Prime, I was getting the same vibes with, and it might have just been the Ordway art because it was very Gary Frank. Sure, sure. But you know the end of Doomsday Clock with how that that goes with that. Well, uh, someone someone even says something at some point about Superman having mm -hmm. traveled uh, through multiverses. I actually may have been in Action right. Comics now. I'm thinking about it, but That's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. Even that coming up felt a little bit like it was referring to the uh, the metaverse stuff from Doomsday Clock. Yeah, uh, which is which is cool. Uh, yeah. No, so no, I like this. I like this tie-in a lot. Uh, I think if you give a shit at all about Superboy Prime, um, I think if you hate Superboy Prime and don't want to read anything about him, you're just going to hate this tie-in. So obviously skip it. But oh yeah, God forbid that it humanizes him. <laughs> you know, you got to keep it. You got to hate that character. So. Yes. For sure, uh, but I mean, hell, maybe they should have even called it, uh, you know, Death Metal Superboy Prime, just to make it clear what it was. Because I wonder if yeah. some people didn't bother reading the Alyssa or didn't, look, you know, see what it was and just mm -hmm. picked it up and then were mad that it was a Superboy Prime issue. <laughs> yeah, that's t totally possible. Uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving uh, Death Metal Secret Origin? I'm giving this one an eight point five. I'm going to concur with the eight point five. I think mm -hmm. it was a, a very strong issue. Um, it was a you know, tying into a bit of DC mythology that I, I enjoy revisiting and coming back to. And I give him mm -hmm. an ending, so. Well, and, and Crypto. Like, come on. And Crypto Crypto's had great. some good moments, for sure. All right. Justice League Dark Issue 29, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars writing with Amanke Newhilpin and Marcus Santucci on the art. This is, of course, the next part mm -hmm. of DC Endless Winter, uh, part seven, just to keep myself mm -hmm. right. Uh, so... Yeah, so we had two parts this week. This was the first of them. Um, and it does focus primarily on the Justice League Dark characters uh, and something yep. they're doing. 
Uh, again, we have a bit of a flashback at the start with kind of the aftermath of uh, the Viking prince going down with the Frost King into the crevice. Um, mm-hmm. And seemingly we, we get the idea that just before it ended, that the Frost King was starting to, his humanity was starting to come mm-hmm. back. Um, but it wasn't quite enough. Uh, but we find them in the Oblivion Bar. Uh, Hippolyta, mm-hmm. finally we get the idea that she's been telling the story to Wonder Woman at this point in the story, this is the, this whole time yeah. she's been telling the story, yeah. And and I love the fact that that she, you know, Diana's like, how come you never told me this? She's like, well, you didn't need stories like this. Donna did. And I just kind of like being the older sibling, you get that a lot from parents. Like, I didn't have to do that with you. Your brother, though, he needed a little prodding, you know. So I, I felt that I did like that version. I mean, some people might call it lazy. How come she didn't tell Diana? But at the same time. I just, I did like that they threw that in there. Yeah, and of um, course, this is a makes complete sense because the last issue ended with uh, Flash mm-hmm. going to Themyscira with Donna to, mm-hmm. you know, to get to Apollo because it seemed like she might know some stuff. Uh, right. So Flash mentions the Just League are all over the place fighting the various avatars, the, the, the Ace avatars, and they get to talking about what they can do. And they start talking about the green and the swamp thing. And I assume this has happened in this, this book that I've not been reading. Yeah, so in, in Justice League Dark, they've, They've dealt with the different, you know, uh, not kingdoms. What were they called here? The green, the red, the black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all, all of those different, and and a couple of the other ones that they've that they've mentioned through Justice League Dark, which was a nice because it did feel like a Justice League Dark issue, which I still give Endless Rider credit for. Like, yeah, there's an overarching event, but each single issue has felt like an issue of that book. Yeah. So, you know, and and this one is no different. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, the main part of the plot, once it gets going, is that uh, Wonder Woman and Zatanna go through to the, uh, I always forget the name of it. Where are they going? So, it's it's the other place. So, New, it's New Mira. New it's Mira. where they defeated, yeah, they defeated the uh, the uh, Upside Down Man. Cool. Uh, and infused it with Swamp Things. You can like tell I've not been reading this book. <laughs> no. And uh, so, so, they go through, um, Swamp Thing basically allows life into this place where there's no life, which ends up destroying Upside Down Man. Yeah, there's a couple or at of, least converting him. Yeah, so, there's a couple of really pretty dull two-page spreads as yes. they see the uh, what, what this world looks like now. And they go to Swamp Thing, and Swamp Thing is kind of aware of what's going on because the Green's, you know, talking about it and Yeah, so whatever. He, he can't go back, basically, to Earth and maintain his connection to New Mira, right? So that's what they're... You know, and even if we could, the green can't survive in this endless winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kind of like, I'll do what I can, but I make no promises. Yeah, well, that was mentioned earlier when I we was talking about the various things that were saying. Yeah, the green's like really weak right now because the right. you know naturally freezing temperatures and uh, vegetation right. don't go hand in hand together. Uh, yeah, but in the meantime, Hippolyta is actually trying to summon the Viking Prince, and she's she's mm-hmm. done a little incantation, and the ghost of the Viking I Prince. Love- I love she does Viking magic. And they're like, how do you know how to do this? She goes, you know, you're not an immortal warrior queen without picking up a few magic things, <laughs> which I love. And she does this whole Valkyrie, which if you know Norse mythology, Valkyries are like angels that carry souls to Valhalla. And that's all Viking Prince wanted, right? His whole motivation is he's immortal up to a point that he deserves a good death. And so him taking out the Frost King is what gave him his good death, so he got to go to Valhalla. So she does the summoning, 
to the Valkyries and they bring his spirit down. Yeah, and apologizes uh, for disturbing his mm -hmm. rest because he, he kind of right. earned it. Uh, but what this does is is that it kind of, both the plots kind of merge. Swamp Thing gives Diana uh, a thing. <laughs> um, it's a, uh, so it's a piece of the green in yes. order for them to kind of operate a new avatar. If, if yeah, they need to. it's basically kind of a, a, a bit of green uh, magic or whatever, right? Um, mm -hmm. And when they come back, it's like, well, the Viking Prince can help, but he's a ghost, so there's not really much we can do. So the end of the issue is that the green kind of forms a, essentially a Swamp Thing-esque body around them. Uh, so we around get, the ghost. So we have a Viking Swamp Thing ghost yeah. at the end of this issue. <laughs> which Viking I'm, Prince Swamp Thing. Hoo-wee! Yeah, I got to that I, last page, and I was very excited. I, yeah, I, I felt like you might enjoy that. Um, and it ends with just uh, Bobo saying, oh yeah, I think there's endless winters about to get hot, which is super cheesy, but it made me smile, so I'm okay. But it's Bobo. It's, it's <laughs> of course, if anyone's allowed to say it, it's him. Um, I, I did like through this one, just them carrying on the the Justice League Dark uh, characterizations of like Man-Bat, mm -hmm. and he's, you know, him and Khalid are trying to come up with with spells and stuff that can defeat the endless runner, but even they can't because it's such a yeah, powerful yeah. primal force. Yeah, they're kind of uh, there, just sort of researching, helping Apollo when mm -hmm. she needs help with the spells. So I mean, yeah, the, the, yeah. the cast is there. They make a point of including uh, the various yeah. JLD members, which is cool. Which um, is real cool, and it's but yeah, no, just that last page made everything worth it. That we're getting <laughs> Viking. Hey, calm down, doggy. I guess yeah. So. Uh, one second, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute so I can. <laughs> Matt Shellen at his dog. This is super exciting. Um, he's back. Okay, yes, I'm back. So I just had to yell at the dog, and I didn't want to blow off the mics. Um, anyways, uh, where was I? I was having the, the the Viking. Oh yeah, so we're getting Viking Swamp Thing, which I was kind of worried about how we're gonna have Swamp Thing because how Justice League Dark ended, and like now we have all the members of the Viking Justice League in present day, which is real cool that they managed to finagle that uh, with, with Black Adam, Hippolyta, Viking Prince as Viking Swamp Thing, so Yes. Great. Yeah, it's that they can bind two of them together, but yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as you do. Um, <laughs> no, I think obviously both chapters I went out this week are both kind of cliffhangers going into the final big chapter, which is next week, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. But this was a fun one. I think uh, it really does feel like we're entering into the final act, and it, it, I think it's done a really good job keeping the momentum up. Uh, so okay. before we go into the next issue, of course, though, uh, what are you rating Just League Dark issue twenty eight? Uh, I'm giving this one an eight point five or twenty nine, uh, rather, not twenty eight. Yeah, twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. Just again, I I'm such a nerd for this endless winter stuff. It's so fun, but this issue is specifically because of, like you said, it it's starting to enter the end game piece. Mm -hmm. Like after this, there's only two more issues, and it doesn't feel rushed at all. Like it feels we're reaching just the conclusion of it's, the story. It, it's been a very well paced month long event. It really has been. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give it a straight eight. Like, it's a solid fun. Uh, I enjoyed seeing some of these characters again because I've not been reading Dark. Although I will be soon because it's going to be a backup in Bendis' Justice League, which is kind of yeah. neat for me. Sucks to be caught up, but it's neat for me. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Ram V, I think, I think you'll dig. I think you'd actually liked a lot of the Ram V stuff mm. uh, from the tiny because it wasn't as, as the esoteric. Um, but I definitely think you'll dig whatever he's going to do in those backups. Yeah, looking forward to it. Black Adam Endless Winter Special Issue 1, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars, rating once again, with Brandon Peterson on the main art and Marcus Santucci once again on the back, or not the backup, the flashback art. 
Uh, which is still there, despite the fact that it kind of... Because I wouldn't have been mad if they hadn't continued it at this point, because it kind of felt like we got to the yeah. point where Hippolyta ended her story. But they did continue mm-hmm. it, and let's see what happened next yeah. in, the, uh, in, in that original timeline. So that was kind of kind of neat. It's basically Black Adam's always been the ends justify the means, mm-hmm. right? Type character, and th- this part of that story pushes that forward. But even the you know his story in the present day takes that up to the nth degree, because um, of what we see him do throughout this one to yeah, to but- try to bring the end of endless sweater again. It's like oh no, he clearly has not learned. Uh, yeah, the flashback is basically just kind of the aftermath of the fight, and uh, Swamp Thing actually reforms and says, you know, the Frost King's dead, uh, or, or, it's not, or he's gone the at Green least. has returned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think notably, something that may come up in the, the final issue uh, next week is that Hippolyta gets, like, a set of armor from, like, the, the townsfolk mm-hmm. who want to thank her, and she doesn't feel like she's earned it, but right. uh, I assume that's something that might pop up. Uh, but we have, uh, basically, Black Adam's team... Uh, multiplex specifically is like sort of scouting all the various mm-hmm. uh stag industry buildings and Which i thought was really cool that's a nice that's neat, him. yeah it's a neat touch yeah uh but when they find the one that has you know the family and the ice uh icicle and silver banshee come in you know what? i don't see enough silver banshee in my comics these days uh no nope. she really should pop up more. um was she in the new 52 supergirl is that before the new 52 uh new she 52. might have been as well but i i know her okay. mainly from peter david supergirl run uh, okay going way back but. so so i i knew her primarily i think from the new 52 where it was really good where she was a a uh i think a, an irish singer that befriends cara really okay and <laughs> yeah, it's either irish or scottish i can't remember very gaelic sounding name well i was i was going to try and do a bad irish accent but if she may have been scottish yeah. i can do it i do a pretty good scottish accent I think you do a pretty good bad Scottish accent. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, more Silver Banshee, please. Like she's she's great. I'm just imagining a supergirl villain there with like a thick Scottish. Like, Moan oh. then, you blonde bitch. Come out and get it then, yeah we. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining lots of uh, Scottish yeah. fight phrases. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so then then uh, Catman's there too. Rampage is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad they labeled them. The only one I needed it for was Rampage, if I'm honest. But I'm still. That's why I'm glad they labeled them though, because there's characters like that that yes. I never know the name of. Well, because I thought <laughs> at the beginning, in the very first issue, that was Mongal, the, mm. the girl Mongol. Uh, very similar. I love uh, how, but she's more of, of a She-Hulk. I love how you really have to emphasize the gal because it does sound like just you Mongol do. if you say it quickly. We might just go on, by the way. Hey. Uh oh. <laughs> getting the getting the the clicking. Uh, so Black Adam uh, shows up with his team, threatens uh, Sebastian Stag. Yeah. Uh, the son, that is, of course. Uh, Simon Stag yeah, being the usual He's definitely Stag. his father's son. Oh, yeah, yeah. His sister's brother, for sure. He, he's definitely, he's going for the edgy thing with a tattoo or whatever it is in his face. Yeah. But, yeah, he's definitely his he's, uh, father's mm-hmm. son. Uh, the Frost King shows up. He's gotten bigger, seemingly. And yep. there's a bit of a fight with Black Adam. Black Adam's like, ah, you know, I should, I'll kill you like I should have done back then, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Stag almost ruins things by his super-powered Kryptonian crystal-powered, like, robot weapon thing. Yep. But as we've learned, apparently Kryptonian crystals and technology make the Frost King stronger, and that's why he's, he's even more super-powered than he was back in the day. Uh, yep. And Black Adam's aware of this, and he's like, you stupid idiot, you're going to get us all killed. Like, this is all going fine. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, a bit of a fight. The rest of the team are like, maybe we should just do a run for it. This just doesn't seem worth it. 
Uh, and the cliffhanger, of course, is that the Justice League show up, and seemingly this is going to, this is like, no, final well, fight time, we're here. Yeah, and it just goes hand in hand with Black Adam because he lets the Frost King kill Multiplex. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Multiplex is telling him, like, hey, I can't just keep, like, throwing copies of myself at him, I'm going to run out at some point. I am going to cut and leave. And Black Adam's like, no, you, you're in the Kandak well, army now. Much, much like, uh, the flashback from last week where, mm-hmm. uh, Viking Prince went down. He basically right. says the same thing where he goes, sacrifices must be made. I'm like, it's funny yep. Black Adam how the sacrifice is never yours. It's all, it's always never one of your subordinates. Right? And that, that's why I said it's definitely the ends justify the means. That's his character. And it's consistent. Like he has not learned anything over the, over the years. So yeah. Can uh, I just, uh, I want to talk about here. Cause, uh, black, uh, black Batman is mm-hmm. raiding a green lantern construct can we talk mm-hmm. about what he's what that construct is because it, it looks like it's the frost king's face yeah it's, ba- it's batman's raiding on yeah it's definitely some type of monster yeah uh, of some kind so An um, and it looks choice. like diana in this issue too it's almost like maybe she's wearing the armor from, do you know what now you, yeah now that you mentioned it, it does look like it might be the armor that hippolyta got mm-hmm. in the the flashback you're right actually that may have been so, already uh paid off that's neat. Which, which I'm sure we'll see in in the pages of the Justice League, uh, in uh, Capstone. Yeah, I I feel like the the Justice League special next week that ends it is going to start off before this moment. I feel like we're going to, yeah. or at least it'll flash back to them making their plan up or something before they mm-hmm. they're they're showing up here. Would be my guess. Uh, I mean, not a whole lot to say. I mean, I enjoyed the Black Adam stuff uh, mm-hmm. and his you know characterization and some of the villain banter was kind of fun. Uh, all of it makes sense that he's coming after, and because because he threatens the family, because that's the thing he thinks he's won because he's got the family in the yeah. ice, and he's like, I'm going to kill them, um, and that's why he's so mad at Stag. He's like, No, I had this one, like I had I had this one, I had the I had the, the the card, I had the card in my hand that was going to win this game. So uh, yeah, no, Black Adam and his hubris. That's like name name a better combo. <laughs> Uh, Matt and Taco Bell, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It will be my weakness. I already know it. <laughs> um, so. so no, I I think I like the both issues though. This week, both ended with a cliffhanger. Like we're ready for the mm-hmm. final fight. So, yep. uh, we'll see all the pieces come together. Uh, in the the big special next week. I say I say big. It's like forty pages, not that big. But yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, bigger. But yeah, yeah. I definitely. I I hope DC has learned because we always know that once they learn how to do something, they'll do it again. Mm-hmm. I hope this like one month long kind of event style series happens because this was fun. It was fun. I I would like more of my comic storytelling like this. I I much prefer doing this once a year than those theme months they did in New 52. I think this, I mean, not necessarily every Christmas because it'd probably feel weird if it was all December, but. No, but like I remember when they did the, you know, 52 and then after 52, they did two other or yearly weekly series. Um, and then diminishing returns and all that, but this just shows like with enough planning, they can do this. Like I almost feel, uh, justice league versus suicide squad at the beginning of rebirth kind of set the stage for this kind of storytelling. Um, but and it's not happened. They that definitely much. Have nailed it. Yeah. No, until now. Yeah. So no. No, I've been enjoying this and mm-hmm. I mean, admittedly it is a fairly late pulpy event that isn't going to matter too much in the long run. So, no. There's almost nothing they could do to like upset me with the ending because it's not there's not a lot of stakes riding on it. It's just a fun story. But right. 
I am having fun with it. So right, and that's what that's what I mean because I know people get tired of events and like everything always changing, and that's their main problem with continuity. Where this is just like a line wide crossover of the characters, you know, where like you said, the stakes are low enough that it can be fun. And, also, you know, I I much prefer like the idea it's just a really bad winter everywhere because to me that's much more palpably to think mm-hmm. the world went through this and has gotten over it and, all, and they right. all remember this really bad winter versus right. something like say uh everyone turned into a fish for a week and got turned right. back whereas that's almost too silly for me to buy that everyone had that experience on the planet right uh that's obviously from uh from snyder's uh uh run but <laughs> right from drowned earth from drowned earth yeah um but yes so there you go. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give this one seven point five. Just uh, I didn't think the art was as strong as, as you know, That's others fair. in this chapter. But the storytelling is still real good. Yeah, I'll probably give this a seven. I think I enjoyed the uh, the build up to the you know the Viking swamp thing a little bit more than mm-hmm. this one. But I, I still enjoyed the characterization and stuff. And as a chapter, it's hard to rate it much lower unless it did something you know mm-hmm. stupid or. That have bad art. I don't think it has bad art. It's just not. No, as impressive. it's not like. Yeah. yeah, when you have Santucci, and this this is not as balanced as some of the other ones. Like you go from Santucci to Nahoop and oh now I'm not even gonna try to mess that up even more. Um, in Justice League Dark, and they they go together. But this art, it's fine, but it doesn't mesh as well. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's kind of replacement level, DC. Like, I hate using the house style because I think people throw that around too much. But this is, like, basic as it gets superhero. It's, yeah, it's, ca- it's kind of dependable house style artist. And yeah. That's, that's not, I mean, it's a bit of a slight, but it's not, like... This, this yeah. is much better than bad. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, uh, take that for what you will. All right. Cool. Wonder Woman 769, Mariko Tamaki writing with Steve Pugh on R. And I guess this is technically the end of the run. Although... I think she is writing the future state issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that may actually really be the end of the run in that sense. Especially given how this ends and it kind of teases that future state's going to be a factor in whatever, you know, at least thematically for what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, we ended last issue with uh, Liar Liar uh, showing up to the hospital from her perspective being this castle and she was in this suit of armor. She's going to kill the ace princess, which is diana um mm-hmm. and this is all from diana's perspective at the start of the show where she goes it comes out of the hospital liar liars there she's mad that she's not calling her the right thing and i do actually like the the narrative structure here where everything is in the real world perspective everything's how diana sees it in the real world you know liar liars just in a jumper or sorry a sweater uh <laughs> with with a, a you know with a skirt or whatever mm-hmm. and it's not and it's the moment where she says okay let me see how things how you see them and Liar Liar touches the lasso, that's when we switch to the fantasy version of everything. And then from that point on, we stick to it until things wrap up. So uh, I like that that choice to not show it from her. Because obviously last issue, we were sort of jumping in and out of Liar Liar's mm-hmm. vision. Yes. I think it was good in this issue to not do it until that moment, until Wonder Woman was mm-hmm. going to see it that way. Right, because uh, Wonder Woman makes the decision. Yeah. That, that, that's where it's going, whereas, you know, it's not necessarily like, because again, Wonder Woman doesn't want to defeat Liar Liar. She wants to, you know, rehabilitate her. You know, so of course she's not going to go in guns blazing, which, course, which I do yeah. like. And she wants to see it from her perspective. Which um, it does, you know, get to that point where she's uh, she ends up staying at the Amazon embassy uh, mm-hmm. to to be, you know, 
raised or looked after by Amazon. <laughs> she she collects villains as friends. I, <laughs> I love that about Diana. Because, like, she... <laughs> we get another daughter of one of her villains staying with the Amazonians. I know. Like, and anywhere else, I would kind of be upset because now it feels like a trope. But with Diana, it just feels natural because she does want to help. Like, I spare her the set at your Arkham Asylum. So. True. <laughs> true. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I really hope that no other writers make her a villain again. I kind of would think it'd yeah. be far more interesting if Liar Liar does just become an ally who can then sort of help occasionally with her powers. Yeah, I mean, if they do use her, I, I wouldn't mind it being in one of those, like, she's just being misguided, mm-hmm. right? Where she's not an overall villain, but, like, almost like, okay, she she goes out into the world and it, she, something happens to her, right? And it ends up making her break. And it's almost involuntary type villain. Because I do think her power set's pretty cool. It does set her apart even from Max Lord, who's, yeah. it's just basic telepathy. Hers is, you telepathy? know... Tele- no, what? He said telepathy. <laughs> telepathy, yeah. Telepathy. Telepathy. That's it. Telepathy. That's what he said. No, the P's first. You're saying the... the, the, the... Telep- telepathy. Telepathy. Is that better? I'll just I'll slow it down. And well, I mean, it sounds weird when you say that slow, but... Yeah. <laughs> telepathy. Right. Anyways. Telepathy. <laughs> I, I, I do like that she kind of... She makes people see, you know, her world as it is. Versus Max, who you just assume is basic mind control. You know, so there yeah. is almost an empathy to her that I feel can she can almost misuse. Uh, um, did you? I, I, I don't know. I think I, if I would ever have predicted that I wanted to see what a bunny dragon looked like, but mm-hmm. I appreciate that I did get to see it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because she rides her bunny, which is turned into a dragon, but it's still bunny faced. It's, it's right. It's just rather and wonderful, honestly. I never, never thought I would want to see Wonder Woman fight a bunny dragon. Uh, on top of it, but yeah, here we are. Uh, yeah, here we are. So here we are. Uh, but no, but I like that when Shoot Rune Lair Lair runs away from the fight, and then Wonder Woman chases her down like the, you know, it's like the castle thing, but it, it turns into just the the, the hall in the hospital. Right. You know, it becomes more normal as she goes down uh-huh. it. Uh, but it turns out she's already evacuated Maxwell Lord, who's sitting in a coma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course. So Etta Etta airlifted him out. Yeah. Know? Which is pretty cool, and she tries to you know she she holds her hand and says, "Look, I I you know found out I was the daughter of Zeus, and uh, you know mm-hmm. I chose to be something different. I chose to be something better and not be defined by what my my you know my father is." Uh, and that's you know where she makes this choice. The end of the issue is interesting though. I love the idea that Maxwell Lord in his coma can still use his telepathy to reach out to mm-hmm. someone, and he's reaching out to liar liar. It's actually insane to me that this is not like continuing for more arcs because that seems like a really good story device yeah maybe it was supposed to and then uh maybe yeah whatever happened jumped out you know that said as much as i do like tamaki i feel like some of her one run hasn't been her best work it's not it's definitely maybe... it's, it's de- i mean her her x23 and her being yeah. super stuff is definitely better than a wonder yeah. woman and um but maybe it was gonna round into shape and we just didn't have the time like but... stuff happens just I think of like Brian Hill on Outsiders, where I felt like there was more that they could have done, and mm. it's just like, hey, we're, th- we're switching directions on stuff. I think the idea of like Lair Lair trying to be a good character and try to help Wonder Woman, but having like her her comatose father mm-hmm. talking in her ear and try to manipulate yeah. her is a really interesting kind of status quo to be in. But it seems like it's going into the future state stuff, which is a two issue thing. But then we've got right. a new new run, we get a new writer, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. 
but uh which is completely disengaged from what it was before right yeah. from reading the solicits i think so yeah uh, that said i am excited for tamaki detective comics i think that should be interesting huh? i'm excited for that so yeah we'll see yeah hopefully hopefully wonder woman yeah, doesn't I'm being suffer. forced to read because i want to read damien by josh williams you're not being forced to you want to read tamaki's detective anyway come on now don't I start read less stuff and have more time to do other things there's already less books from march yes, onwards i know i know i know like much less well, like like some weeks, like some of the weeks only have like five books, and that's not like that's like the entire DC line. It's not just like yeah, I I know, I know, I know. You're good. You're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> let me let me whinge for a minute. <laughs> not when it's like oh, I need to read Tamaki's Detective. Oh, the torture. Oh. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the issue. I enjoyed the last issue. I, I think the this, this last two issues have been kind of the the be- best part of the run. I think mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing else to add with that one. It was just kind of. Yeah. It was just the end of the story. Like it had been building, and Tamaki handles it well. The art's pretty good, which has been pretty consistent. Um, I do like Steve Pugh a lot from his work with uh, with. Um, uh flintstones mark russell mm. um he's the pew did the, the art there and it's i would say that it's not as good as the flintstone stuff but because it's so different uh but i think pew handles the superhero stuff pretty well and again bunny dragon like yeah. we had some fantastical stuff here i, I think it's, uh, the art's enjoyable enough it's not my favorite mm-hmm. style by any means but yeah. uh I, I was definitely pleased as i was mm-hmm. reading it so i, I can't I can't complain too much. Uh, what are you giving Wonder Woman? I'm going to give this one a solid eight. Uh, I, mm, I would go with a 7.5. And I think that's mainly just because I'm a little disappointed that this isn't leading to more stuff beyond maybe just two future state issues. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, so we'll go with that. All right. Um, all right, let's uh move on then. Action Comics 1028 Brian Michael Bendis writing with John Romita Jr. Unfortunately, on the art, and I say unfortunately in this case because I actually like this issue quite a bit story wise and what the characters actually do. The art is just horrendous to look at the entire time. So, I will say though, it's not so JRJR would have moments where the art was like good JRJR art, so you might not like JRJR. But this was kind of top level, I feel. Like, he really brought the A game here. It wasn't as messy. We didn't have those characters looking like uh, characters from The Endless, right? Like, uh, that That said, I don't know if he knows what a taco looks like. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> not a good looking taco. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty just, simple, it's a pretty simple, it's like, a, you know, a, a yellow half think- circle. Is this? It's not. It's not much. He's got to add extra lines to it because I guess it's JRJR and that's what he does. <laughs> um, that that said, I just want to get that out of the, just out of the way because, um, the, we we tend to just go on how we don't like that art, but this was a nice fitting end to Bendis's run. That's the sad uh, part about this this show is that yeah. it is actually a really nice ending in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Uh, you know, all the stuff at the start, which is that Perry, uh. Perry. Jimmy. He's in shock. Jimmy. Well, well Perry, yeah, uh, uh, yes, Perry's yeah. in shock, and Jimmy now owns the Daily Planet, and that's why he's yep. in shock. 
and yes. all the things where you know and he's just he's just sitting there he's not really taking things in but there's that great moment where he sort of says i think i'm going to give myself a cubicle and lois points out oh you can I mean you own the place you can kind of do whatever you want and he leans into perry and says creative control and he's like i mean lois is right you own the place and he takes off his glasses like it's a really serious moment you can do yeah. whatever you want and he's like no i'm giving you creative control yeah. <laughs> chief you know yeah. like which which i do love like, Although, I do like Jimmy. Jimmy is the spirit of the Daily Planet now. I do kind of want like um, at least a mini series, which is essentially an office s comedy where Jimmy's now in charge of the Daily Planet, and he's just like exploring how he's kind of throwing his weight around a little you bit. You know, what? Fraction, <laughs> Fraction needs to do more stuff. Give it to Fraction. I feel like Fraction and Lieber could do this, mm. even if it's just a mini. Yeah, just know, a mini. Issues. All six issue yeah. mini. Just you know, um, uh, I, I'd have I, fun with that. And a, a Jimmy gives a nice quick you know bendis kind of sums up the jimmy olsen uh series as quickly as possible for bendis it still takes up a whole page and like six panels um and a lot of dialogue but Mm -hmm. jimmy explains how him and lex are co-owners of the family fortune because they're the same family at the end of the day but luther can't tell him how to spend the money he can't tell how to luther spend the money but through the daily planet he could tattle on luther which I just love that dynamic, and I hope it exists going forward hmm. in, in this book. And it also doesn't um, betray the fact that Daily Planet and Superman have exposed Luther time and time again anyway. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's just, it goes in there. So uh, Jimmy's like, yeah, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get in the way of me having access to the family fortune. Yeah. Um, what, yeah, so what I, is, I did love that. So that's the first part. The second part is to go back to the Hall of Justice and deal with the mystery of Connor. And they set up an interesting thing that I assume that maybe like a writer at some point is going to do yeah. something with this, is that his powers might not last, and they may like be there for decades, and they may just go away with like old age, or right. they might be gone in a couple of weeks, like they have no idea. Uh, uh, but he will have a normal lifespan because because they, they I love they, they kind of especially like a Blade Runner reference when they say sometimes yeah. clones have a built-in kill switch <laughs> where they'll they'll die after yeah. a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I just like that. But so if he loses powers, does he just become boy? Yes, he's just boy. Yeah, he's just boy. Q Kratos from God of War. Boy! So, uh, <laughs> and and I did like to the, the Clark, you know, because what does that mean for Superboy and the legacy? Because John's around and like, I, I did like that Clark's like, well, you know, you are a clone of me. You're not really my son. You're more like my brother. Mm-hmm. Which I really like that dynamic, and it's something that hasn't really been explored, and that it makes sense because the Kent still raised him. Yeah. So I also like it in the sense know. that now that Superman actually has a son, I think mm-hmm. defining Connor as more of a little brother it makes it neater. Because yeah. if you think of him as kind of a surrogate son, then it's like, well, John feels almost less special because yeah. there was already kind of a son. So but yeah, but it does. It almost makes him like. Because with Batman, it's a little bit different, but I, you know, I never felt like Tim was a son as more like a protege of of Bruce um, versus Dick and, and Damien, where those are like, I feel like Grayson is his son through and through as much as Damien is. Um, so I, I feel like it, it matches Connor with Tim even more now, mm. whereas they're, they're not quite the father-son dynamic, but they're still an offshoot 
uh, of that sidekick role, and it makes him feel special. Yeah. So, and of course, this yeah. leads to you know him taking him to the Kent farm where he will live uh, with the Kents. Uh, there's In a joke crypto. here. There's a little joke here from Supergirl about uh, asking about Brainy. <laughs> Say, hey, that yeah. Brainy guy you showed up with. Uh, what's his deal? Yeah. Uh, but she has to fly off. Uh, so I don't That's know what. My, one of my favorite things on this issue, though, was her explaining why she has to go mm. because she's like, yeah. So I did this slight team up with Metamorpho that ended up lasting a week because he talked so much, or I talked so much, I couldn't, you know. Tell him I had to leave. So I'm going to go now while I have a moment. I thought uh-huh. that was a pretty good Bendis, you know, dialogue storytelling. Yeah. Um, um, so. I say there's a moment with Crypto where Crypto does recognize him. And that's one of the things they mentioned is that Superman remembers so many things from past multiverse yep. shenanigans, but he doesn't remember Connor Kent, which made me chuckle a little bit. Uh, it almost told me that Bendis didn't think about that when he did, uh, when he brought this in. And this was just kind of his, yeah, um, multiverse. That's why you don't remember him. It's a mystery. Yeah, it's just a mystery why you don't remember him, even yeah, though you seem to remember it, everything else. Very odd. Yeah, because he didn't do Rebirth, right? That was uh, not Rebirth. Yeah, Superman Reborn. Yes, where that was before. Yeah, that was all before. Yeah. Connor so, Kent, right? so yeah. my old joke of Connor Kent, who uh, still applies to Superman. It does, but <laughs> just, now he has a little brother. You know, he, yeah. he gained a a little brother, uh, and I do like the Kents fully embrace Connor. That was such a nice yeah. moment. Uh, which um, then leads to once that's dealt with, it becomes you know father and son, Superman and John, and John's like, hey, let's just spend the afternoon helping people around town, around Metropolis. Uh, so we get this, you know, essentially a montage of them helping in various situations, talking about his time in the Legion, catching up, uh, going for tacos, uh, hanging out with Robin <laughs> and an- Batman. Another favorite moment was yeah. I could tell Pendus has had enough of the internet's bullshit. Mm-hmm. where someone in the crowd yells at John, you should only be teaming up with Damien. Actually, now you've, I, 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 just, I assumed you were right about the tacos, but now that I'm on that page looking at them, look wh- at it. Th- why are they the size of like a pizza? They're huge. Yeah, he doesn't know what a taco looks like. <laughs> They're huge. They look like Calzone. Yeah. <laughs> Calzones have betrayed them. <laughs> uh, thought they were tacos. They were Calzones. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, 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 no, that, that just, that bystander yeah. in the crowd, and that, that killed me. And John, um, of course, getting advice about the fact that he's into Saturn Girl, and he feels weird because she has telepathy. Um, uh, and Superman player points out, you know, you know, I've been around with Martian Manhunter for a long time now, and one of the things that he tells me, and the other mind readers have told me, is that they kind of view the, like, humans, dif- or view other people differently, uh, because right. of, the, because they hear all the, the surface level things all the time anyway. They kind of just learn to filter that out because John's rightfully perhaps worried that his teenage brain might think of something dirty right? (laughs) Uh, when he's talking to her. And this is where I'm with some of the people that were upset that John has not been around Clark a lot because Mm. Bendis does have their patter down and this feels like a father-son conversation. It's a shame, yeah, we lost out on it, yeah. We've missed out on a lot of it. Um, But it did give us some good stuff with like, you know, when, when he had to do the magic stuff in Superman, it was, he was, he had to deal with the, with them being upset, right? That, uh, sorry, I got distracted by a doorbell. Yeah, um, Matt, Matt's ordered that, some tacos. He was talking about tacos so much that yeah, he slightly right? ordered some Taco Bell on those. Um, so, <laughs> um, but him being upset by, by missing out on John's growing up because of, of Jor-El, you know, 
Hmm. Uh, I, I did enjoy that. So I will be right back because I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was not tacos, nor was it his Apple Watch, which he was hoping it was. Uh, no. but, but a lot of weird, like, otherworldly things happening in this episode, often this <laughs> It is. I, I can't help it. It's just, it's, I, I would say it's the Yuletide spirit still hanging out. I, I, uh, you know. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, so I was both amused that Lois was also happy that they brought tacos to her. Uh, mm-hmm. but also horrified of the art because she, her face is just two lines and a mouth. It's horrendous. Look at it. It's like a child's drawing uh, yeah, on this panel. Uh, it's disturbing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. also, because everyone knows who Clark is now, uh, John calling Jimmy Uncle Jimmy. Uh, I don't know. How did you feel about that? Did that, did that move the heart and dull a little bit? I, I did like it, mm-hmm. you know. I, I do like the Superman family connection just because, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy, I always felt like Jimmy should know that Clark is Superman just because, like, they spend so much time together. It's always the lowest thing, too. Like, <laughs> um, that's the one thing I did like in, in Man of Steel, where they, they don't even play around that, that Lois is able to deduce Superman and stuff. So, um, but no, I, I, I liked it. Like, it, it wasn't one of those big emotional moments. Not like the the Clark and John heart to heart about sure. Saturn girl, but um, it is nice. That was a nice touch. I, I liked it. Uh, so, and Lois is like, yeah, you've not made up for missing mothers day yet. Uh, so yeah. uh, also uh, the, the panel of Lois kissing uh, John on the cheek is like nightmare fuel. Like it's like her face is doing that thing that uh, like in the matrix when their mouth gets covered and it sort of like goes yeah. together. It, it looks kind of like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Yeah disturbing uh so they go Dude, here. i'm trying to be nice it's the last <laughs> issue we have to deal with it man <laughs> all right well okay so the final scene is they go to a meeting uh daily planet uh clark's not got his glasses on just to sort of you know we're in this world now where everyone knows who he is yep. uh, and add to add to that when news comes up of a situation somewhere uh, in kandak specifically yep. uh he just like t- you know takes opens his shirt and says sorry everyone i didn't go <laughs> and flies out the window uh just to sort of you know, get, give us this is the new world now. He can just say, "Oh, there's is, is a situation on it." You go. He doesn't have to yep. hide it. He doesn't have to say anything nope. else. He doesn't just, have to go. Hey, look over there, and then disappear. Yeah, he just flies out the window. I uh, did love. I think it's Steve Lombard who, mind you, who's a sports writer, goes. How come Clark gets to do conduct? He just gets to go do that now. And I think it's Perry goes. So what? You're you're gonna hop on a plane and get there? No. All right then. Shut up. <laughs> Clark's gonna handle it. Yeah, the last dialogue I, of the issue is just uh, Perry complaining about typos, Jimmy wanting to go get lunch, yeah. and the final page after Superman's gone is just Clark's desk, which is just a bunch of, like, all, all the post-it notes and, like, things mm-hmm. uh, are just, like, thanking people and stuff for the end of the run. Um, yeah. this is, honestly, it was the perfect final issue story-wise for all of Bendis' Superman. It, it, it really is perfect mm-hmm. in that sense. It's just unfortunate that it all looks horrendous because it's still GRGR on the art. So yeah, that's that's a that's a shame. Um, I did like these notes on the on the thing too, like signal from War World, which Teasing, I feel is the, yeah yeah the future state. And uh, where was Ambush Bug or where is Ambush Bug? I wonder if that's a, a maybe like a Justice League kind of tease. tease. Yeah, maybe. Um, it could also just be him referencing yeah. an obscure character that he likes. <laughs> right, or, or Code Received, PKJ. Like, what's that about? Uh, but I do like the, the thank you notes that are on the desk, you know. Thanks to Dan for the ride, but it's kind of a little obscured. 
um, just just suiting his TDO right, um, uh, and like the thing to the fans and stuff. That was real, real, real nice. So uh, I'm I'm kind of happy to get a different voice on Superman now going forward. Because we've had two years of action in Superman. I mean, Superman and action have been sing- single shipping since Bendis took yeah. over, admittedly, but right. uh, with everything going single shipping, that is definitely a limited number of books per month. So you'll get your wish, yeah. Matt. You'll have less to true. less to buy. True, true, true. But I'm just, uh, you know, I, I know I've heard good things about the new writer, uh, mm-hmm. and but I'm, I'm still hoping that maybe those first issues is just a, a one off, that you know, and that we're gonna uh, get two different writers. Um, I don't think it's a one-off. I think it may be a one-off that they're part one and two of a story. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll still be him writing both, though. Yeah, or... as long as they're they're disconnected enough so that they feel different, mm. I I do miss that. Like back back where we had Jurgens doing action and we had Tomasi doing Superman, they both felt like different. Yeah, aspects of Superman. I miss that. So hopefully going forward, but I I'm I'm not upset at the ending. You know, like overall, it was a fun ride from Bendis. Um, yeah, no, I mean, was... I I liked a lot of stuff early on in the run. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of weird how it kind of parallels the Tomasi run in a lot of ways, where it mm-hmm. started off really strong. I think Bendis's run was stronger for longer, but some of the stuff in the back, like you know, year, mm-hmm. of it, especially with the with the the Ruby R or whatever, yeah. like it definitely d- did have its down moments, and uh, so. You know, overall, I'm I'm happy with where the, the the characters went. I'm happy where it's been left off. Uh, looking forward to seeing what comes next. But mm-hmm. it's definitely not just the, you know, it's because I, I think part of me was hoping to get into us is going to be like Bendis' Superman will be talked about like Bendis' Daredevil, and it's not. We're not. It's not that. Uh, no. And that's a shame. But um, but that's okay. Uh, so probably actually closer to his Iron Man, right? Where it was like, oh, this is gonna be really really good. And then you bring in all these expectations, and then it's fine. Like it has high points, but there's definitely low points. Bendis so, do Iron Man? Oh yeah, he had the the dual series. He had uh, International. Oh, of course, the, yeah, the yeah. Series. He did Ironheart. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm forgetting. Yeah, I'm. It, it sort of quickly became Ironheart, so I yeah. I, I, I kind of forgotten about well, it. You're right. Yeah. I do recommend International Iron Man, which is kind of the story and uh, Tony learning about his parents, which I think was it was a really fun story but that was like six or seven issues mm-hmm. um one of them mary jane co-stars weirdly as his like assistant which that was fun while it lasted i can't remember which book that was in but but yeah um i would put that up there with with that because there were these highs mm-hmm. and lows it wasn't as consistent as like his daredevil or his avengers stuff or... yeah i'm hoping with them having less stuff ongoing that his justice league will have a really good solid plan yeah. uh because i'm looking forward to checking it out mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully that also means Naomi season two and maybe the mm-hmm. other checkmate, you know, the other yeah. Leviathan book uh, is coming. Yeah, because there's future. still threads dangling. I kind of hope he picks up in parts of Justice League because mm-hmm. um, I, I was really invested into that. But I'm, I'm guessing with the Canary and Arrow. So at the forefront, I'm I'd be safe to say there might be some stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So. There you go. That is the end of uh, Bendis's run on Superman. It's right because we've been here from the start, middle, and end of it. Uh, and this is this is uh, what are you giving this final issue? Okay, so the art's real rough. So I gotta take that into account. But I really enjoyed the story, so I don't know where to exactly rate it. So mm-hmm. 
I guess it's safe to say that it's a seven. I'm, I'm going to be generous because I did enjoy the story a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I'm going to give it a six, being that I really like the, the story beats. I like what it does uh, in that sense. But I hate the art. Like, I despise the art. Mm-hmm. So I can't go any higher than a six. The, the art is just so bad that I Fair can't. Enough. So uh, that's, that's where I fall on it. Before we move on to the next book, though, mm-hmm. I have a live update. Okay. Connor has finished Wonder Woman 84, and I thought I'll just... Okay. I'm going to read out his tweet, because it's very okay. different from my uh, <laughs> impressions. So it's just like the internet uh, in general. It's either the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. He says he liked it quite a bit. It's not perfect, but had a lot of fun, although more the first half than the second, admittedly. That said, I was in shock to how quickly it went in. I paused to get a drink at some point and only had 30 minutes left, and that stunned me. Um, I, I That is a lot more positive than I'd expect. I, I think it's a little straight-up mess, but more than that, in the full review, coming soon. All right, wow. I'm very curious to see how you take to it, Matt. That, that, that ginge, man. I don't understand him sometimes. I'm very curious to see how you take to it. I'm very curious to see how Tim takes to it. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. All right. So, where are we? Batman Superman 15, Joshua Elmson writing with Andre Brissan on the art. Uh, final book of the week. So, uh, to dive into this, this is the actual the end of Williamson's run. Uh, surprise. Uh, although, again, he might yeah. be doing the... I don't know if he's doing the Future State stuff or if the new team is doing the Future State stuff. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm not sure either. But I know that the book's going to Yang yeah. afterwards, and it's going to be this weird golden agey type thing that I'm very excited for. Which feels like it may come out of Future State, given that mm-hmm. it's a weird sort of timeline thing. Right. Um, so this is a, very much a one and done. This is a, just a one issue story about Superman and Batman uh, transporting Solemn Grundy, who is unstable and is going to explode. Uh, mm-hmm. Because every time he is reborn, he's reborn with a new purpose, and uh, he's unstable. Which I- Yep. Which I do love that they play with because that's something that doesn't get brought up enough with yeah, Grundy. That's true. Like a lot of a lot of the times they use him as a Hulk cipher that oh he's just destroying stuff and mm-hmm. you know goes forward. But here I do like that he's different because even in Justice League Dark when he showed up in the Injustice League Dark he was like this weird zombie version of himself. So I do like that's how you can play a different version of Grundy. So uh, here he's like set to explode, so they got to get him to. Slaughter Swamp, but we had, we had a nice fun cameo that you know I I enjoyed. Okay, yes, your happy Poison Ivy was there as yeah, a consultant yeah. because uh, Grundy green. has a has a tenuous connection with the Green, mm-hmm. and she has some experience with that. Uh, basically, she surmises that he has to be taken back to Slaughter Swamp, his you know his his place of origin, ancestral home, if you yes, will, uh, to kind of you know go peacefully and come back as whatever mm-hmm. he's going to come back as to avoid exploding. So Superman wants to fly him there. Batman thinks that'll be too unstable and he might go because of the, the speed and whatever. So right. so they escort him in a jet. Uh, a team mm-hmm. of C-listers shows up <laughs> to try and take him in. Uh, the Secret Society of Villains want him. Uh, so fight ensues. So, I remember Deadline from another book, but I can't remember what book it was. But yeah, it sounds familiar. Just... Yeah, it sounds familiar to me too. Obviously, Killer Moth, yeah. we all know well enough. Yes. Uh, but some of these other ones, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you uh, without some. Uh, this is where I could use labels. I could use the label on this this uh, page yeah, yeah, where they yeah. all show up. But uh, yeah, so Batman actually, because the jet explodes, Batman 
rides on the back of the chair that Grundy's strapped to like it's a sled and then bat uh-huh. wings come out of it and I'm like and this is so ridiculous but I kind of chuckled at it A because the visual was kind of funny but also because Superman said are you insane he's like why are you still yeah. asking me that yeah. <laughs> how long have you done with me pretty good uh, so yeah I mean honestly the actual fight just feels like we have to have a comic book fight uh, mm-hmm. I did think it was a bit weird that this is set in like a really extreme winter because when the issue started I expected it to tie yeah. into Endless Winter and it right. didn't no yeah. also where is Slaughter Swamp in Gotham I was trying to place it in oh, the maps wow. that we've seen and like I just don't think of a swamp in like an area that's going to be like I had never thought yeah, about this before I, don't know, I guess, you know, I mean, Wayne Manor's kind of on the outskirts where it's all kind of yeah. foresty. I'm, I don't think it's near Wayne Manor, but if there's an area like no. that where Wayne Manor is, I could see there have true, been an area on the other side of the city that's... Honestly, though, the fact that you've looked at maps is really funny because I, I never do that. I don't yeah. care. Uh, yeah, no. You're the, I mean, I know you're not a Trekkie, but you're the sort yeah. of Trek fan that has a diagram and the blueprints of the Enterprise oh. and knows yeah. where all the rooms are. That's you. Hey, <laughs> I'm the type of person that saves Galaxy Quest, right? Oh, like, okay, okay. Yeah, they're able to find the, the, the device at the end because of someone like me. So, hey. hey. I mean, that, yeah. that is fair. I mean, I think when it comes to stuff like that, I think, like, with Firefly, I do know the layout of the ship, but that's not mm-hmm. because I'm ultra nerdy with it in, in that way. It's, it's more that the show does a good job of, like, showing you how everything connects because right. the set all connected to each other, so you actually got to see the layout as you were walking through it. Right. Whereas in something like Star Trek, it's all separate things where they just go through a turbo lift and they end up there because it's maybe so big that you know whatever right i mean it is yeah those those starships are are yeah. huge uh, but uh, no um just because you see like i remember it was gates of gotham was the first time because it was about all the bridges and about yes. the different the different areas of gotham which made me which like, was right how's gotham set and that was know? right before the new 52 uh that was mm-hmm. in the build-up to that so yeah. i remember that so yeah uh, so they get to Slaughter Swamp, uh, and uh, Swamp Thing shows up. Basically, you yep. know, the Green has been aware of what's going on. Uh, they they suspect that Ivy might have like sort of called ahead, as it were. But yeah. he's like, ah, the Green knows. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, he's going to go peacefully uh, without pain for once. Uh, and it's sort of like you know, this little bit of forestation grows in the the, the icy swamp, um, mm-hmm. into whatever he's going to be next time. Um, I will say, the ending of this was really predictable because as soon as there was a conversation before the fight broke out, where yeah. Batman admitted that he'd never been in a snowball fight, I was like, okay, yeah. this is really well, obvious that how that, that Superman's going to throw a snowball at him at the end yeah. of the issue. It's so obvious that like, happen. Superman's like, I couldn't fall at full speed or I'd take your head off, so you're lucky. <laughs> I was just like, alright, Clark, don't flex the jerk muscle too hard. If anything, man. I thought it was missing like where a moment where it felt like Batman was taking it too seriously. Only for yeah. Superman to try and say something and then just having a panel of a snowball hitting his face. Boom. Yeah, yeah it would that almost would have been better. Although it was low-key sad that <laughs> when he was like, I never had snowball fights because Alfred didn't want to get his tux wet. And he was like, oh man, Bruce legit had no friends. I wonder. <laughs> Part, like, I, I actually do think that may be a slight misstep on Williamson mm-hmm. because I feel like Alfred yeah. would be up for a snowball fight. Me too. I, if anything, oh. I feel like Alfred would try to like give Bruce a snowball fight yeah, for his childhood, and Bruce would be like, a slight "No." Tweet. Yeah, <laughs> a slight tweak to that would be, "I never had a uh, snowball fight with Alfred because I didn't want to get cold and wet." Yes, that, that a slight tweak would have been there, but yeah, but it was kind of sad that you know, um, Bruce admits that he didn't have any friends. Uh, so yeah, you, um, I wasn't familiar with this artist. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I think the art is generally pretty good. I think the action looks good. I think the way it falls down, and it's a place where often a lot of artists will fall down, if there is a fall down for me, is in some of the faces. I think Superman's face often looks a little bit off, especially the final spread, which is them just sort of mm-hmm. flying off together. Um, like, there's something weird about his head. It, it looks kind of like a, like a 12-year-old boy instead of a man. There's something just a little right. bit off about it. Um, ages a little bit. Yeah. I, 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 I do like how inky everything is. I think it's a really inky mm-hmm. art, which might be less about the artist than more about the inker, admittedly. Or but inker. but uh, very deep blacks, a lot of shading on the Superman suit, which I, I do tend to enjoy. Although, I, I love the, tuck, the cape tucked in, but sometimes they do this thing where it's tucked in all the way around to the front, and it does a lot of that in this issue. Well, I don't hate it, but it is notable. It's different than usual. Right. Uh... Yeah, it comes just down to styling, I guess, right? Yeah. That's how people draw that character. It feels like the cape's supposed to like fall down in front of him as well, because it's meant to close mm-hmm. almost like a, you know, like a more ceremonial cape than a mm-hmm. like an actual superhero cape. But um, that's not really a little issue though. Is, is that is that super yeah. important? It's fine. Yeah, it definitely. It was off to a rough start back at the very beginning with with the tie into uh, was it Hell Arisen? And whatnot, but it kind of really just became its own fun thing, where you just could feel like Williamson would have ideas for a Batman Superman story. Yeah, yeah. And I'd have been up and down. Like, I, I, yeah. I, thought, I thought the one with Batwoman and Cyborg was a little bit weaker than the ones that had came before. You mean Steel? Oh, sorry, Steel. Yeah, not Cyborg. Yeah. Sorry, Steel. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that was yeah. a bit weaker, but um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun little series, and I'm curious to see what Yang does with it. Um, Yep. And it's going to be very different. It's going to be a very different series when Yang gets his hands on it. Yeah, uh, I definitely feel be- between New Superman and Terrifics, Yang's has, Yang has had his, you know, room to spread to tell as weird stories as he wanted. I do. And I'm curious to see how that goes with Batman and Superman. Unless they anthologize it so that it's like a new writer every, like, six or seven issues. That could be too. Yeah, I feel like it's days are numbered, though. I feel like Yang been on it means that it's maybe going to get 12 more issues and it'll probably be done. And I hate saying that, but... Yeah, I know. But I feel like that's probably what's going to happen. Because it, it makes sense. Because it is becoming this weirder Golden Age thing, I feel like it's not going to last much longer then. It's going to be cool for 12 issues or something like that and then be gone. Uh, would be my guess. And I say that as someone who didn't want New Superman to end. I wanted that to go on at least twice as long as it did. But, yeah. hey, we are where we are. Uh, what are you yeah. giving Batman Superman 15? Um, I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Uh, straight seven for me. I thought it was enjoyable, uh, but not special. But some neat, neat moments. Uh, I, I thought the the snowball ending was so predictable as soon as he brought it up that it, it kind of. I almost felt a little bit cynical about it when it waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. So that's Batman Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the uh, end of the books. Um, I do have some Patreon books for this month. I actually pushed both of them till next week because it's a week five and there's only like three books. I think we need to do maybe mm-hmm. four. We'll find out a, a little bit. I'll get you the list soon. But uh, this is the part of the show where we pick our favourite moment slash panel, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books of the week. Uh, so that's what we're going to do now. So uh, panel slash moment, Matt, uh, what you got? So there's a, there's a couple I could pull from this week. Uh, I really love the crypto and Superboy Prime stuff in Secret Origin. Uh, I also uh, you have the Justice League Dark Viking Swamp thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Despite the art, the Crypto Connor moment is is kind of high. Oh, okay. Right, but it's it's Viking something like I 
I let out a, a audible hell yeah, like Kite Man, uh, when, when I got to that page. So <laughs> gotta go for it. Yeah, that's a good moment. A uh, little tempted by that myself. Uh, I think though I'm gonna go with Superboy Prime, uh, destroying all the dark planets. So you know the the, the last fifty two. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I think I like that moment a lot, especially because it's like the idea of like him using his reality punching power for good mm-hmm. is kind of a neat redemptive moment. Um, uh, it was nice to feel a little bit of that John's magic in there. So, uh, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, what was your cover of the week? Um, so looking at some of these, um, I don't know if one sticks out as much, but I really like the Middleton Wonder Woman variant. I think it's Middleton. Uh, yeah i'm looking at the different ones here i'm not necessarily in love with a lot of the covers this week luckily Mm -hmm. though there's a very easy one uh the metal uh variant is one of those gary frank uh yeah covers a larger whole piece that's why i can't like Uh, but it's the gsa it's the gsa one though i know it's gary frank drawing the gsa and it looks gorgeous so that's my pick the secret origin issue one variant that's my pick Right, did you make yours? <laughs> oh yeah, it was Wonder Woman Middleton. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's like bright, bright colors. It's not the, uh, typical of the Middleton, you know, so it right, out. Well, in that case, best art? Oh man, I can tell you what it's not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, honestly, it's kind of a weird uh, week because uh, the books that have better art have a lot of different artists on them. So right. you're kind of... Well, it's down to Secret Origin in Justice League Dark. I feel. I mean, you could go Wonder Woman too with Pew. Um, I, I agree I'm, with that. I think it's between those two yeah. as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it to Secret Origin just because I had the you know the Manipul stuff, you had the Ordway stuff in there, and even the Pelletier or Pelletier who's hit or miss. I felt it, it really hit. I think so, yeah. Origin's a little bit up and down because there's so many. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Just Lead Dark because I think the. Nihil Pinar, I think, is really solid. I really liked it. Because when it, when it mm-hmm. switched to that from the Santucci uh, art, which is solid and has been solid in, in the, right. the flashbacks, I was like, oh, this looks quite nice. I was worried that it might go down or whatever. But it, mm-hmm. like, I, I got to the Hippolyta in the bar explaining things. I was like, oh, this looks really good. And it, yeah. felt, it felt consistent. I felt really satisfied with the art throughout. I didn't have really any caveats like I did with some of the other ones that I mentioned. Where mm-hmm. some, you know, some faces are off here or whatever. Um, So... Yeah, just like Dark Twenty Nine, which uh, leads us to ranking your top five books. So, yep. All right. So number one is going to be uh, Secret Origin. Number two is going to be Justice League Dark. Number three is Wonder Woman. Number four is Black Adam. Number five is Batman Superman. Yeah, that means I don't think it means it's going to be much different. Uh, Secret Origin <laughs> number one, number two, Justice League Dark. Number three. Yeah, Wonder Woman number four, Black Adam yeah. number five, yeah. uh, Batman Superman. Yeah, was that the same? Was that exactly the same? I think so. Yeah, I mean, cool. It hurts not to put the last Bendis action comics, but I know what it did. I mean, we read the same six issues, and one of them was definitely not making it. So outside of a little ordering difference, there wasn't going to be a lot of yeah. variation in that. No. <laughs> so not at all. It is what it is. Uh, so there you go so I will tell you what's coming next week and it is not a big list of course although some of the books are a little bigger but it's not a big list by any means mm-hmm. uh, so coming next week on week 5 for December we have the Batman annual number 5 uh, which I think is Tynan so it is going to be maybe relevant to the ongoing story it is Tynan 
Just double checked. It is. Yeah. And oh, Origin of Clown Hunter. James Stoko on art though. Oh. Yeah. Which I don't think you liked when it popped up last time, but I, I, I love Stoko's art. Didn't. So, uh, I I am on board for that. Uh, but we have Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last 52, War of the Multiverse, issue one. So the one of the final tie-ins before we get to the, the, the issue seven. Yep. Uh, that is, uh, is that an 80-pager? Like I maybe. believe so. It's yeah. got a $9 price tag. Hey, so it's a, good, it's a good week for it, to be honest, because it's not all else. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is. And then Justice League Endless Winter, issue two, of course, yep. wrapping up Endless Winter, uh, which is a $5, uh, 40-pager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also out next week is Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Dark Knight's Metal issue one. That that's how long we've been doing these Tales from the Dark Multiverse. Is that the yeah. thing that started at Metal is now getting yep. its own Tales from the Dark Multiverse <laughs> one shot? Yeah, which I I got confused for a second because I forgot what this book was, and I was like, yeah. Wait, there's another tie-in. What the hell is this? And I was like, oh no. yeah, I don't have to read that one now. Yeah, so it's not a tie-in. I mean, yeah, no, not not in the traditional sense anyway. Yeah, I, I'll no. be skipping that. Uh, so we got three big books, which is Dark Knight's Metal, or Death Metal, Last 52, War of the Multiverse, Justice League Endless Winter 2, mm-hmm. and Batman Annual 5. Uh, so that's cool. Plus I'll be doing my Patreon books. Um, if you're wondering where our annual episode is coming, which is where we do our best of the year stuff, um, basically we're waiting for Corey to come back and then we'll schedule uh, whenever we're going to do that. So uh, that's where we do our you know, best books of the year, best artists, best writers, all that kind of thing. Do, do our end of year awards. Uh, usually we do it right around New Year's because we're waiting on Connor to be able to record again. It might be a week or two later uh, than normal, uh, whenever we can all fit it yeah. in. So, um, yeah, that's when we're doing that. Because I, I, I would have been tempted to maybe just like pair it with these few books, but because I think it's not worth doing it without Connor, uh, no. we'll just have a, a, a well, kind of a later episode. Uh, maybe, maybe do a couple of questions uh, if it is a bit later. But uh, that's the plan. Uh, that's what next week is looking like. So. Yep, yep join us uh for that now that is the part of the show now where i'll thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you and merry christmas to tyler hess cindy palacios david short board now al treisman christopher moy brett williams and david brown uh they are patreon producers for the month of december um uh, you can of course support us over at patreon.com slash tv for as little as one dollar per month and get bonuses for your trouble you get early access to the show by a day uh, at the $5 tier. So go and have a look and see if you're interested in helping keep all the content coming. So on and so on. Um, obviously, if you're a patron who expects books covered by Connor, um, there was a chance at the start of the month when I didn't know when he was coming back that I might have to take all of his Patreon books uh, and do them all for the people so that they got <laughs> something. Um, he said that he would just catch up on them as soon as he comes back. So he's going to have a little rush of December Patreon books to do uh when he's back so that may be the first or second week of january but he will do them don't worry he'll do his next red hood he'll do uh uh because he was going to do action comics with us if he was back in time for it but there was a backup sent uh by the patron uh which i've forgotten right now what it is but we'll find out uh but he's got rosmo in his future so we can be delighted about that um <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to be punished for his absence how dare he uh ouch but yes so yeah great patreon you can also support us by liking and subscribing giving us a good rating on itunes or maybe your podcast from five stars all that stuff all of it helps yes matt i i just had a thought that uh bendis is doing the future state uh legion story with rosmo art he is so if someone really wants to punish I'm uh, I'm pretty honor. I'm pretty sure it was implied that was the choice for January, 
So, oh boy. So he's got oh he's got something else to make up for action because he wasn't here for that, and then he's going to have Bendis <sighs> and Rosmo. Which Ouch. which might be the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's great news. Uh, also, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast, um, and this is essentially the last episode of the year because the next one we do will be right after New Year's, so we'll be in twenty twenty one. Uh, oh, so thank you to everyone who supports the show and mm-hmm. has been listening or watching uh, throughout the year uh, we very much appreciate it um, obviously you know we, we don't stop enough and actually thank everyone for, for being along this journey with us and you know engaging in our, our silly conversation about uh, people in capes and tights and yes. whatever else uh, but hopefully we have helped you out this year because it has been a very stressful year uh, for everyone, for obvious reasons. Hopefully we have mm-hmm. given a bit of an escape uh, to that and try to keep the conversation going with everything. And I know not everyone loved quarantine the multiverse when there was no books for a month. Uh, some people hated that. <laughs> and that's fine. I get it. You're here for comic book talk and there was no comic books to talk about. Makes sense. Yeah, but we, we tried our best. Tried you know? our best. Like... I, enjoy, I enjoyed the quizzes personally. Connor hated them, but... Oh, uh... yeah, because they took forever. And could... It... A nice meaty quiz is what you want. Also, I think Carr just was mad because he was losing. He lost like every week. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. He's, not only was the, they take forever, but he lost. And, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Hey, what you want from me? Uh, so, yes. So, that is the plan. Um, I, I don't think... I mean, Matt's not said anything about having to push recording next week, so I assume it will be out at the same time next week. As... As of, I have to do some talking off offline. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> um, I was going to. Yeah, not, not going to do that right now. I mean, we're recording this on the usual day, uh, despite the fact right. it's the day after Christmas. If for some reason we do have to delay recording next week because of a New Year's related thing, then yes. uh, don't worry, it'll just be up whenever it's up uh, as soon as it can. Yep. But um, uh, at least right now, the plan is to go as normal. Um, obviously, after that, we should be back to just you know normal every week anyway, mm-hmm. so it's fine. So, uh, thank you very much for joining us, though. Uh, this has been episode 233 of Comments from the Multiverse. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to get into Future State and uh, Infinite Frontier because we started to start a rebirth. And while we kind of get out of the rebirth phase, we never really went into a new phase yet. And this is kind mm-hmm. of us finally getting into this next phase. So it feels like we're veterans now with this, not just yeah. starting out right. with rebirth. Yeah, so. man, I've, I've survived the New 52 Wars and now the Rebirth Wars. Yep. And we're going into whatever's next, so... Yikes. Into the infinite. Yeah, there we go. Infinite War. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good 2020. <laughs> no, no, no. I think no, no. it's 2021. That's fine, uh, fine. We're, we're good. We can we're good. handle That's Infinite that. Wars in 2020. Infinite Wars is is a Marvel thing. We'd have to worry about that. Uh, yeah. Or has Infinity, but it's close enough. Yeah. Imagine yeah, DC yeah. actually called something uh, Infinite Wars. Yeah. It'd be so close. I think it would be hilarious. It'd be so close. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I was, was going to say slap a crisis on it, but they've already done Infinite Crisis. Yeah. So. Yeah. Infinity Crisis. Yeah. Oh, they should do it. Just to, just to be trolls. They should. All right. That has been the All episode, right. guys. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. We will see you next week. So keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And Connor Kent does indeed exist. <laughs>